Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Hey, Star Wars fans, Jimmy Mack here with you from Rebel Force Radio, and you're listening to Galaxy of Toys Flashback to 1978 Star Wars Holiday Special. Cue up the Jefferson Starship! Welcome to the Galaxy of Toys Star Wars Holiday Special. We are celebrating the 35th anniversary of the original Star Wars Holiday Special, which aired on CBS November 17, 1978. Joining us tonight from IGrewUpStarWars.com, the OT curmudgeon, Tom. Hello, Tom. Uh, can you imagine all this? What's with all this hair all over the floor, man? <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. How you guys? How you guys doing? We are uh, we're hanging out in uh, in in Chewie's house, and someone needs to clean this place. This is nuts. Yeah, it looks like uh, Lumpy and Mala and Itchy are just uh, waiting for Chewbacca to get home. Yeah, I, I, I don't want any part of that. I'm just gonna stay over it's... here. I don't even know what we're doing here, but it's good to be here. Jason, yeah. how you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Doing good i'm gonna get me one of those uh wookie ookies though I, those those are those look good this is our big holiday special and i have not seen ryan or chris anywhere i guess they bailed on us well that maybe that that blockade is is <laughs> is keeping keeping everybody away i don't know who knows you know maybe they just don't like the holiday special and just didn't want to be on the show you know there's more people that actually hate this uh special than like it I know, uh, I know, I love it, and Jason, I know you love it. That's all that matters. And 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 here we are sitting in Chewie's house, waiting for God knows what to happen. It's yeah. crazy. I really do love the holiday special. I still remember watching it. I was five years old when it aired, and I watched the whole thing standing up right in front of the television, completely glued to the screen. Yeah, that was uh, that was November. I was uh, it was I, it was you know it was probably snowing outside. Lived in Idaho mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and um, yeah, mom uh, mom made me a, a batch of homemade French fries. I was uh, ready for the holiday special to start. There it was. I don't know what people don't see in it. <laughs> I don't know what I see in it really, but I loved it and yeah. I uh, I like it to this day. So, well, what do you say we? Start the show by going back, going back to the beginning. Star Wars finally is about to hit our small screens, and even more casting rumors for The Empire Strikes Back. It is Wednesday, November 17th, 1978, and you'll hear about those stories and more This Week in Star Wars. This Week in Star Wars is your source for new and noteworthy developments from the galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, second grade Matt Fox. And now, this week's lead stories. This Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central and Mountain, CBS Network will be airing the Star Wars Holiday Special, the first new Star Wars material since the blockbuster film debuted in May of last year. And while George Lucas, the writer and director of Star Wars, chose to hand the directing duties over to Steve Bender for this program, we have been told that he exerted some creative control over the project. Viewers can expect Star Wars caliber special effects and production, 
as over $1 million was spent to make the two-hour special, which will be shown in the place of CBS's regularly scheduled Friday night lineup, The New Adventures of Wonder Woman, and The Incredible Hulk. All of the principal cast members who survived Star Wars are reuniting in the special to reprise their original roles, including Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, R2 and 3PO, as well as Darth Vader. Based on the press materials that have been released, the star of the show, however, will be Chewbacca, the 200-year-old Wookiee co-pilot of the Millennium Falcon. The plot of the special revolves around Chewbacca's efforts, with the aid of trusted friend Han Solo, to return to his home on the Wookiee planet to reunite with his family for an important Wookiee holiday. Over the course of the two-hour special, we are sure to meet several new Wookiees, including Chewbacca's wife, son, and father. In addition to the original Star Wars cast, numerous big-name television stars have also joined the production, including Harvey Korman, Beatrice Arthur, and Art Carney as well as singer-actress Diane Carroll and rock band Jefferson Starship, who are coming off the huge success of their platinum album Earth and will be singing a new single entitled Light the Sky on Fire, which is from their upcoming greatest hits album, Gold. The casting of all these major modern-day entertainers is consistent with the promotional material that we've seen up to this point that indicates that there will be a heavy element of variety show in the Star Wars Holiday Special, but exactly how they'll be made to fit into the Star Wars universe, we don't quite know yet. One new character who we will be getting our first good look at in the holiday special is the mysterious bounty hunter, Boba Fett. Boba, of whom we got our first good look at nearly two months ago at the San Anselmo County Fair, has been confirmed as a character in the holiday special. He is also apparently going to be the 21st Kenner Star Wars action figure, as a special promotion has recently begun appearing on Kenner action figure cards. By sending in four of the blue proofs of purchase from the back of your action figures, Kenner will send you the Boba Fett figure sometime in the middle of next year. There's no word at this time as to whether Kenner intends to make more action figures based on characters from the holiday special, but given the popularity of Chewbacca, it would make sense to expect figures of his Wookiee family in the near future. While the holiday special will be the first opportunity we've had to see Star Wars actors on television since Carrie Fisher appeared in two made-for-TV movies earlier this year, we will not have to wait nearly as long to see them again. In fact, this Saturday, only one day after the holiday special airs, the ABC network is airing a special tribute in honor of the 50th birthday of Mickey Mouse. Among the many guests scheduled to appear on that program are Chewbacca and R2-D2. So if the holiday special somehow leaves you unsatisfied, you only have to wait 24 hours for your next opportunity to see Star Wars in your home. Tune in next week for the full This Week in Star Wars recap of the Star Wars holiday special. Empire Strikes Back casting news this week. Rumors continue to swirl that Billy D. Williams, the star of Brian's song and Lady Sings the Blues, is being given a significant role in the Empire. Hey, Jason, look, it's... Is uh is that old is that old gray one looking at me? If, if, the thing is, if you don't if you don't show your teeth, they they won't attack. So that's good. I wouldn't worry too much about that Wookie because uh, he kind of looks preoccupied. Now back to the holiday special. I don't think we're the only people who like it. Let's check in with our friend the Retroist. 
Like many kids who grew up in the 80s, it was difficult to shut me up when it came to Star Wars. It was even more difficult to get me to shut up about the Star Wars Holiday Special. I had seen the Star Wars Holiday Special, and a friend of one of my older sisters had a copy of it on VHS that he brought over, and he would let me watch it. It was a massive treat. I think my sisters came to realize that this was a great way to placate me, and one Christmas, under the tree, was a copy of the Star Wars Holiday Special. They had simply had their boyfriend dub it for me, I had been talking about this special to all my friends who had never seen it before and never got to see it because this guy only came over at night and would never leave the tape with me. So Christmas Day afternoon comes along, and just like clockwork, my one friend calls me, asks what I got, and the first thing in my mouth is, I have a copy of the Star Wars Holiday Special. He is very excited. I say, as soon as you can, I will come over and we will watch it on your big screen TV. That day was a wash for them, but that didn't stop me from watching it. The very next day, we had a viewing party at my friend's house. I guess I built this up way too much in all their heads because I put it on, music comes on, everybody's excited, and then I guess what they call the silliness of this holiday special starts, and they could not look more bored. Then something awful happened. They started laughing. I never saw the silliness in the holiday special. I still don't. I loved TV specials from that time, and the idea that they were being more playful with the characters didn't bother me at all. But to my friends, this was a laugh riot, and I freaked out. I walked up to the VCR, I turned it off, I took the tape, and I said, if you're not going to take this seriously, we're not going to watch it. Now you would think the holiday special was funny. What they actually thought was funnier was my little tantrum, which became a running joke for many, many months after it. Did I regret doing that? Sort of. But they were disrespecting something I loved, and I felt the need to defend it, and by doing so, defending myself. And they could laugh all they want. I could run home and pop in the holiday special, and it was mine. I could watch it whenever I wanted to. Well, I could watch it up until my VCR ate it eight months later, and then I would have to wait many, many years to get another copy. But that's another story. <laughs> An outstanding World Series. Three home runs in one game. Now that was a day I'll never forget. And it helped me to get my own candy tip. Reggie, with a rich caramel center, lots of fresh roasted peanuts, and a super chocolatey covering. Reggie, the candy they named after me. Mmm. Reggie, you taste pretty good. Wampa Wampa, and happy holidays, Galaxy of Toys. Yeah, it's great to, to be on here with you guys. It's uh, it's always fun. Now, should we call them, like, the Gots? Because it's, like, Galaxy of Toys? Ah, oh, that could work, yeah. Um, or, like, the, the Got Heads, like, Goat Heads? <laughs> <laughs> That's really not, not good, Steve. Uh, anyways, this is, uh, this is Sky Payne, uh, one of the co-hosts of the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast. And who, who are you, Steve? I am Stephen B. Danley. So I can't help it. I actually wound up making an outline for this two-minute thing, Steve. Um, yep. So, you know, our, our show is dedicated exclusively to the vintage stuff. Right. Um, now, I'm not a vintage snob, so I would get along with all those guys uh, in the in the galaxy of toys. But Steve is, is much like Tom. He's, he's only into the vintage, and he looks down on anybody who collects anything modern. Isn't that true, Steve? <laughs> I wouldn't say look down, man. I, I've been listening to their show uh, over the last few months, and... 
it's it gives me a perspective that I did not have before. So no, there's no looking down for me. <laughs> okay. I, I right. do appreciate Tom's comments, though. I, I I do laugh quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> at some of his stuff, but no, it's great. So so we just thought we'd kind of go over like a little super mini Kive cast here, and yeah. you guys can edit it however you want. Um, first, I think uh, whenever you say holiday, okay, the first thing you think of is holiday special, but we're not going to go into that, Steve. <laughs> that's that's too rich too rich of a topic but you of course think of the early bird special yeah yeah a- and uh, just in case you have not listened to this and you want a, an intro into our show if it's not too early to plug uh it's episode 23 where you can hear a cool story from will grief where he talks about finding a one of a kind early bird display uh like display header right and no one had ever seen this before um it had been heard like they'd seen a picture of it in, yeah. a, in a magazine, but no one had ever actually seen one in person. Right. And uh, if you listen to the show, it's this cool story all about how it was just at a celebration. Someone raised his hand and is like, uh, I've got this thing that you've been looking for for 30 years, and would you like to, would you like to buy it? And anyways, they, <laughs> they, didn't quite buy, they didn't quite believe it, and it was this whole yeah. story. It was a really interesting, surreal experience. Like the, the tone got super serious all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. But it was um, great. It's a great story. And that's the last pitch for our show. We'll, we'll come up with a couple new things, Steve. Um, I obviously thought of the next item. What, what's that, Steve? <laughs> the uh, What do you get a Wookiee for, for Life Day? Well, well it's, it's actually the official song, Steve. is called What Can You Get a Wookiee for Christmas? When ah, that's already right. Ah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's right. On the album. Right. When he already owns a comb. Yeah. And everyone you know, knows this. <laughs> and it's a, it's a funny song. But I actually have beef with this, Steve. Ooh. Um, do you think a Wookiee would use a comb or a brush? That's a good question. I think, I mean, the comb would have to be massive, I think, for it to work. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe brush is the way to go. So, I would actually go with detangler spray. Ah, that's uh, <laughs> That's going to be our, our sequel. I'm, I'm going to get uh, Bon Jovi's uncle. And because, uh, as you know, Bon Jovi's uncle uh, produced that track along with Nico. Right. Um, and, and we're going to record a song just called Detangler. And, and it's going to be about what you get, Chewbacca, but it's going to be kind of an obscure sort of deep cut song man um, I, that could be like an unloved item all on its own when you think that, about it that that could be and uh and i said i wouldn't pitch our show anymore steve but we do every month i think the most accessible part is our unloved vintage item yeah of of the month and so we were going to talk about this on our own holiday episode but our recording schedule has become slightly irregular um <laughs> That's the other thing you guys at Galaxy of Toys should appreciate is the amount of work your podcast host put into putting out the show. Um, the amount of work to the amount of money received uh, is literally <laughs> literally infinite. So uh, <laughs> uh, all you got heads should, uh, should appreciate that. Ooh, that sounds good, Steve. I like that. Got, got heads. <laughs> oh, but then it sounds kind of dirty. Yeah, uh, well – <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What can you do? So for the uh, for the unloved item, you know, everyone knows about the all the great Macquarie uh, Christmas cards for Lucasfilm. Yes, yes. And if you go to the Star Wars Collectors Archive, who are of course our benevolent overlords, they have, I believe, maybe not all of them, but up until 2007, all of the the Christmas cards. Yeah. And everyone knows the Yoda with the. The, the Santa Claus outfit. The Santa Claus outfit, and they know uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO and Santa yep. and the yep. workshop. But I don't think a lot of people know this one, Steve. How would no. you describe the 1984 Christmas card? It's it's magical. I mean, you got the animated Ewoks um, kind of having their nice little scene with, with Santa 
kind of flying by in the background. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's got this weird, like, classical holiday painting look to it. But and then you got the, the weird animated Ewoks in there. So it's, it's, uh, it's hard to read. But I, I think it's a, it's a good unloved item for sure. Yeah, and it's got Princess Kinesa in there. That's and, uh, right, yeah. And I just, I have a, I have a, I mean, not a thing for Princess Kinesa. I have a thing for Princess Nisa. All right, it's all right, man. <laughs> yeah. <you> can say. <laughs> it's all right, yeah. Um, so that that would be it, except we should make one shot out. And uh, I hope uh, Brad Portnoy, who's uh, a friend of the podcast, he made his own Chewbacca menorah. Ah, that's right. And, uh, you know, just because we can't, this can't be just Christian, of course. Um, so we wanted to mention that as well. It's just one of the great custom vintage items of all time. Yes. <clears throat> Did you, do you have a picture of that thing? Uh I'll make sure that Brad gets an image to to the folks over at uh, GOT. Yes. Um, Geo Toys. We just call it <laughs> Galaxy of Toys, I guess. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to go. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. So, in the event that you guys wanted five minutes of content, there you go. If you didn't, uh, we're going to just record uh, a very quick stinger. How does that sound, Steve? Okay, that sounds good. All right. This is Sky. And Steve. And we're saying, have a wampa wampa holiday times. <laughs> that's that's the right word, holiday times. It gets us all covered. I was going to say Christmas, and then I almost said Hanukkah, because wampa wampa Hanukkah sounds kind of cool. Yeah, it's got a ring to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, we, you know, we, we, we love your show. We love being on your show. Keep it up. And, uh, and and don't forget that your brother podcast, the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast, <laughs> is always here for you. That's okay. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you, Sky. Thank you, Steve. Hmm, gotheads. I don't know. Definitely not as cool as Space Freaks. How you doing over there, Tom? Man, I'm having a great time, Jason. But uh, you know, let's uh, let's hear what our friends at Retro Blasting have to say about the holiday special. Hey, this is Michael from Retro Blasting. I've been asked to talk about the Star Wars Holiday Special and my thoughts and memories of it. Uh, I was in college. I was in film school at Syracuse University. It was 1998. It was a few months before The Phantom Menace was set to launch. And we were all still under the disillusion that The Phantom Menace was going to be great. Uh, I had heard about the Holiday Special years previously in high school through the Star Wars Insider magazine, but I hadn't actually uh, had a chance to see it. But there was a guy down the hall in my dorm who had the Star Wars Holiday Special on a bootleg videotape, and he said he'd bring it over one night for all of us to watch. And uh, he brought it over, and then for some reason, we couldn't watch it at that point, and uh, we were all supposed to watch it later, and that never happened, and weeks went by. And then finally, I said, you know what, I'm going to just pop this tape, and I had a free day off, and uh, my roommate was gone, and uh, he was a film student too, uh, and I started watching this this videotape, and it was a soupy, discolored videotape uh, in places, it would clear up every now and then, but I was getting the gist, and the gist was, this thing was as horrible as George Lucas and everybody involved said it was. I could understand immediately why they wanted to distance themselves from this. It was pure 20th Century Fox marketing. It's the reason that movie merchandising and movie tie-ins up until Star Wars had not done well. Because the studio-slash-corporate mentality that had controlled those kind of merchandising efforts up until that point 
was just full of fail. And this was the poster child for it. Um, I, I was, I was embarrassed watching it and I kept looking around like I was doing something illicit. And then my roommate comes in right around the time that that woman is doing the cooking demonstration and she's saying, spin, 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 spin. And my roommate comes in and he looks at me and he looks at the television. I, I, I'm, I would have rather have been caught watching porn. I would have rather been caught watching adult entertainment. It would have been better than the feeling I had when he walks in and I'm watching this bizarre time capsule that was only aired once and then, you know, put in a dark vault by the, uh, the intellectual property owner, that being Lucasfilm, forever. It's, a, it's, it's the evidence uh, in, the, in the murder room that shows why it was important for Lucasfilm to take over all the sequels and everything after a certain point because 20th Century Fox only needed to be a distributor. There was no reason for them to be touching this franchise at all because when you get those kind of corporate suits in a room and they start making decisions about how things are going to be marketed and what's going to be done, you get these kind of crass disasters. The, the Star Wars Holiday Special's only redeeming quality was the animated sequence in which we are introduced to Boba Fett. And I'm not even going to say that the, the animated sequence itself was all that great. It was just the anticipation of seeing that bounty hunter for the first time. The animation wasn't all that good. Uh, it was like um, a sketch version of what we eventually saw on Star Wars droids, which wasn't good either. Uh, but seeing Boba Fett for the first time was was really neat. Uh, it was nice to see that his character was pretty cool, despite the weird tuning fork weapon he had and some other things. That disregarded. Um, I feel like a lot of the actors from the original film on the holiday special were phoning it in. I think they knew they were doing something rather embarrassing. Harrison Ford certainly looks embarrassed when he's in the... Wookiee Treehouse with Nala and Lumpy and all these weird Wookiee characters that, you know, thank God they didn't turn those into action figures because that would have that would have killed the, the Kenner momentum. Dead in its tracks. I'm really glad they didn't go ahead with those. Uh, yeah, the, the, the whole Star Wars holiday special is something that's just best forgotten. I mean, any fan that's out there right now that's sitting there saying, I love the Star Wars holiday special. It's such a, like... So great, it fills me with warm memories. No, like, th that's just someone saying that they were there and they saw it and they're they're really trying to look back on it with fondness. I have a hard time believing that a lot of people who revisit the Star Wars Holiday Special are really getting warm and fuzzies. One, because it was never a holiday tradition. It didn't catch on. It wasn't played every year like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or A Charlie Brown Christmas. It didn't start you know, having that yearly airing. And so saying that it was like a holiday tradition for you where you sat down with your hot cocoa or whatever to watch this, this show is not true because it only aired the one time. And when it did air, it, a lot of people at that point didn't have VCRs. So it's not like a lot of people were recording it. So I just feel like it's um, something that people are carrying a torch for because they just don't want to admit it's bad. But for anyone who's in the original Star Wars generation like myself who has 
even a little bit of objectivity. Uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special is not good. Uh, you know, you can make arguments for and against the Ewoks. You can make arguments for and against, uh, you know, C-3PO's behavior in some of these original films, uh, whether or not you think he's annoying or not. But for the Star Wars Holiday Special, you're walking on very thin ice if you're going to try and convince the 90% of Star Wars fans that, that don't like it if it's, you know, oh, no, 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 it's really a, a piece of genius. You know, because when you've got Peter Mayhew in a Chewbacca helmet and a drape or cheap blanket underneath it, uh, yeah, that's awesome. No, it's not awesome. It's bad. It's really, really bad. Uh, as a Star Wars vintage collector, as someone who prides myself on owning all of the vintage Star Wars memorabilia I can get my hands on, from coloring books to action figures to, to ceramic mugs, I have no interest in owning the Star Wars Holiday Special. I have never felt like my collection was incomplete for not having it. And that's saying something because I really get tempted by a lot of different useless stuff, like down to shampoo bottles that are shaped like Luke Skywalker. I love that stuff. But the Star Wars Holiday Special, I've run into it on bootleg VHS tapes, bootleg DVDs. I've gone to, to conventions where those video vendors are selling it. Oh, every year they found a nicer version or a better quality copy. I still don't give a lick. I don't care. I, I, I really side with George Lucas. It's like, you know what? Find every copy and smash it with a hammer because there's nothing redeeming about watching it. It's not really part of continuity. If you're putting it in with continuity, you're wrecking continuity worse than Jar Jar Binks ever did. So that's my thoughts on the Star Wars Holiday Special. And if you don't agree with me, if you really think that I'm off base and you just want to tear into me, or you want to agree with me and commiserate a little bit, you can find me at retroblasting.com, YouTube backslash retroblasting, or Facebook backslash retroblasting. I'm the one answering all the comments, and I'll be happy to talk with you about the Star Wars Holiday Special. But uh, don't expect me to gush about it or, or sway my opinion, because it ain't happening. Today we are going to be preparing a very succulent dish called Bantha Surprise. Uh. It's not only a very hearty, nourishing dish, but it's very economical, too. So all those hungry mouths in your household will be going, yummy, yum, on that tummy tum, if you just follow along with me as I prepare this popular favorite. We're getting a transmission on the holonet. Hey, look, it's Arnie and Marjorie from Star Wars Action News. Arnie, Marjorie, any chance you could share your thoughts about the holiday special with us? This holiday special is my childhood with Harvey Corman and B. Arthur. These are all the people I used to watch their comedy when I was a little girl. And it had Star Wars. I don't remember watching it when I was little. I'm sure it was turned on. But I, you know, it's horribly bad. It's one of those things that's so bad that you've got to watch it at least a few times in your life. I think that it may have a little bit of an undeserved reputation of being completely awful when in fact it's not only completely awful but incredibly misguided like if you compare some of the worst things in star wars like the ewoks tv series second season or that clone wars movie i may not like it but i at least know what what their intended audience is i at least know what they're going for but the holiday special with its mix of coked up carrie fisher wookie porn and Kitty Bantha play is so utterly incoherently inconsistent that I think Carrie Fisher was the one on the least drugs of the set. From Mark Hamill 
looking like an erstwhile Peter Pan, the incredibly inane musical numbers, I get what a variety show is, but I don't think the people who made this do. And it is such a disastrous train wreck of celluloid that it is, you can't look away. Much like any car crash, you want to see the carnage, and there's plenty to see. Arnie, it's too bad the Star Wars Holiday Special didn't have, like, a theatrical release, because I think this would make an amazing now-playing episode. It has been discussed. I think I talk about Star Wars enough on Star Wars Action News. That's why Now Playing hasn't covered Star Wars. I've talked about Star Wars for over 400 hours. (laughs) I don't think I need to try to consolidate all that down into a 90-minute review. But, yes, the holiday special is one of those things that you just look at and wonder it it's just a fact that lucas was still very new to being a mogul and having control that he would sign away the rights and allow this to occur i mean there's so many great behind the stories of that from carrie fisher's onset performance to be arthur not even knowing that she was making something related with star wars she hadn't seen star wars she didn't really know what she had signed on to do they gave her a song there were people in rubber heads she sang (laughs) the song and walked away And one of the things that I've heard bandied about is Lucas, there's that wonderful urban legend, maybe true, but I can't find a source for it, that Lucas wanted to smash every copy of this with a (laughs) hand. And now that Disney owns it, everybody's like, will this get released? Will this get a release? Disney's going to take every penny we give them. Maybe they'll release this because they don't feel like George. What you got to realize is all this 70s stuff There is so many music rights. I mean, WKRP in Cincinnati is a great TV show that they can't get out on the home video format because they have to go to Foreigner and write a big check for that music. And they have to go to all the bands whose music they use. Here, I don't know if you could dig up that chick in the pink wig. (laughs) And I don't know if you could afford Jefferson Starship's money now that their career has fallen. But, I mean, they built this city on Wookiee porn. And I think we'll never get anything except the bootlegs of this because now everybody's going to be like, oh, you want Star Wars? I want a million dollars. Maybe an abbreviated version where they edit it down? to maybe like an hour cut out the music that would be beneficial but then you would the best part of it is i know what you're feeling (laughs) yeah that entire disco number that is so just misguided that oh but it was in at the time that's the thing the late 70s and 80s were all about these variety shows i used to be totally in love with donny osmond and i would like beg my parents to watch their specials that they had because they always had these little special variety shows that were little one-offs that would play upon the popular things. There's Donnie and Marie as Luke and Leia, dude. And that <laughs> is more coherent, though. At least they weren't going for this all audiences. It, it's specifically down to itchy watch and pornography and the World War II themes of stormtroopers and complicit salesmen that make this uniquely miserable one of the copies we have has this wonderfully foul pantyhose ad (laughs) it is just obscene pantyhose are foul and obscene anyway they're meant to replace your underwear did you know that (laughs) i know you're not supposed to wear underwear them i didn't know that until i was an adult i'm like well i'm wearing underwear you two are experts when it comes to star wars 
collectibles. Do you think the Star Wars Holiday Special has been underrepresented with collectibles? They all focus on, I think, the area that Lucas owns the most, the animated section, which I know there's some people out there who like it, but I just don't find that to be all that great either. I like that they have the original voice actors back doing the parts. The animation style is very caricature, and that's where most of the collectibles lie. And again, I think there's a lot of rights issues. I don't think they signed B. Arthur's likeness so that they could make <laughs> the Acmina action figure. And really, given that most of the scenes from the holiday special that involve aliens were outtakes from the original A New Hope or reused Rick Baker stuff from A New Hope, hey, you have holiday special aliens if you want them. Now, I do have to say that I love the prototypes of the Wookiee family figures out there that we had mm -hmm. a chance to see when we were up in Seattle this year. That is an awesome idea, and perhaps one they could revisit as EU characters. There's no likeness rights for a bad costume. But beyond <laughs> that, no. But I wonder if it'd be one of those things where everyone thinks it's a great idea like getting the Yarna figure because, oh my God, she's so funny. She has six boobs. And then we're like, oh, we have to have the holiday special figures. And then they just sit on the shelves or they don't sell. What if they were able to acquire the rights for B. Arthur? Could you see them doing like a Brian's Toys exclusive figure priced at $25, maybe similar to the to the Jedi librarian figure, Jocasta New? Once upon a time, if you'd asked me that three years ago, I'd say yes and I'd buy it. But now they seem to be not at all interested in making obscure characters. They just want to pump out more Hans and Lukes than the less articulation, the better. Yeah. In their mind, not necessarily mm -hmm. mine. You know what? I've, I've been harsh on the holiday special. I have fond memories of it. I first saw it in the 90s. I bought a VHS off of a guy on a Usenet use group, and I watched it once. And I watched it a second time at my bachelor party two nights before my wedding, getting rip-roaring drunk with my friends. We did go out after that. That was not the entire <laughs> bachelor party. <laughs> but it was a warm-up for the night's festivities to watch this. And, I mean, it is one of those so bad it's good. You, you, you mentioned now playing, and if it was now playing, I would give it a green arrow of recommend the same way I do really, really awful, awful movies that I can't look away from like Catwoman. But Jason, I, I really got to get going. I'm I'm actually looking for Jerry. He owes me a Vintage Viewpoint segment, and it's not in. Have you seen him around? I haven't seen Jerry. The last time I talked to him was maybe in June, I think. We are doing a Shadows of the Empire show. But uh, if I see him or hear from him, I will definitely let him know you're looking for him. Yeah, tell him I'm looking for him, and he needs, he needs to email me. Yeah, there's just, uh, you know, we're actually looking for a couple of our co-hosts. Um, Ryan and Chris, they've been uh, missing from this entire episode, so who knows? But I do really want to thank you, Arnie and Marjorie, from Star Wars Action News. Thanks. Tom, have you ever wondered how the Star Wars Holiday Special fits in with the greater continuity of Star Wars? <laughs> Jason, I don't think it does, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> well, let's check in with Nathan and Mark from Star Wars Beyond the Films and find out what they think. Nice. Let's go. That's right, Whistler. It's me, Mark, the Count of Continuity over here. You're over here, right? Yep. Uh, 
one got the duty. Two got the duty. And I'm the defender of the EU. That's me, by the way. Uh, but we're here doing a segment about the Star Wars Holiday Special. November 17th, 1978. Star Wars uh, releases its mutated love child with crap uh star wars and crap got together and had themselves a little kid on national television god i, I guess the the biggest thing to me about the holiday special i guess there's two things that stand out one is just the ongoing thing of lucas essentially trying to disavow this thing because that to me is what's kept this thing alive i mean it's garbage it's absolute garbage <laughs> in, in almost every respect but it, there's been plenty of stuff put out with star wars and other franchises that have been pretty much garbage. They're out there, they acknowledge, yeah, this was not our shining moment, and they move on, and it just kind of disappears into the past. The fact that Lucas has disavowed this, will not allow it released on home video, despite saying so at one point that he did expect it to be on VHS, I want to say around uh, uh, the same time that they were that they had just released the three classic trilogy films as single VHS tapes, a couple years before they actually put them together as the, the first box set in 1990 and all. Um, it's the fact that there is so much disdain for this special coming from Lucas and how it's such a hands-off thing for them for so long, that's what makes this thing known. That's what gives it its place in pop culture. It's not how god-awful it was. There's plenty it's the of train wreck. Well, it's, it's the fact that when the train wreck happened, everybody behind it kind of turned their back to it and went, nothing to see here. <laughs> Um, they pretended as though that, that this train wreck was not their fault. I promise I was not texting while driving, officer. But but it does have its impact uh, on the EU. So there's, there's that aspect of it that stands out. It's just the fact that because the, of the way that Lucas and Lucasfilm have treated this special over the years, it's become this monster of pop culture myth more than it actually had any real right to be. But also the fact that it, as much as Lucas has stepped away from it. As much as they've wanted to disavow this, it has had a significant impact or several significant impacts on the Star Wars Expanded Universe and even on the Star Wars live-action films beyond what we originally would have expected. If this is so bad that Lucas doesn't want it to exist, why do they keep going back to it? Why is it that this is, is referenced? This is part of the EU at this point. Uh, and that was not always the case. At least large elements of this are within the EU. There was a point at which, before the Star Wars Holocron continuity database existed, before Leland Chi was handling that, that they didn't treat canon, whether we're talking G, the new T, uh, C, N, S, and all that, they didn't treat it as if it was, okay, this element of a story can be canon, but this other element, maybe it's outside of the continuity. There was a point at which canon simply was a list. A story was in continuity or out of continuity as a whole, like the, the Paul and Hollis Davids books. So now it's been brought in, but it, there was a time in which this was thought of as this just doesn't exist. And if we reference anything from it, that doesn't bring the story in. Oh, God, no. Instead, well, it might just bring that element in. And there's something in this continuity that is is similar to that alternate continuity that happens to have the holiday special. But now it certainly gets a lot more play and respect as part of the Star Wars continuity than it ever did before, which I guess is is our purview to get into here. Well, that's one of the aspects about it that's always been intriguing because, you know, George didn't want anyone to see it. And then you got the canon levels. Well, if George had his hand on it, well, then that makes it canon. And everybody's like, well, we're not going to count that. But the fandom aspect of it is this, okay? It's not on VHS. It's not on DVD. So unless you watched it airing when it came out all those many decades ago, you have no idea what we're talking about, unless George Lucas somehow, by keeping it from you, has turned you into a pirate. Oh, because I don't know how I got it on DVD, but I have it on DVD. 
And I watched it for the same reason most of you out there watch it. Why does George hate this so much? So I sat down and I hit play, and oh my golly, did my brain explode. Nay, melt on the inside. I, at one point, I finally, I just hit fast forward, and I just watched it fast forward because I'm like, is this really going on? And I've talked to other fans, and the thing that I always find the most interest is that my first reaction to Chewie's dad sitting down watching his little actress lady thing was, oh my God, is this Wookiee porn? The Hollywood not... porn. The yes, Hollywood porn. <laughs> Tell you why the net was born. Porn, porn, porn. But I'm not the only one who thought this. And that made me feel so relieved because I was like, obviously, I've got a filthy mind. But no, I am not the only one who came up with that same correlation when watching that scene, which makes you stop and wonder, what in the heck were they thinking? There were so many moments of what were you thinking all the way through this? I, I get the concept of wanting Star Wars to keep going. I am glad, though, that the powers that be or the fact that George Lucas owned the entire franchise himself that when that holiday special came out, that Star Wars just didn't die right there on the vine. Well, it's funny because, you know, you've got, I mean, as you said, you've got the, all these, these really horrid types of moments in this, uh, and yet they still allowed it to be aired in the first place. I mean, it's like somewhere along the way, I know it was supposed to be like a variety show, which is not something we, we had seen for a long time uh, for U.S. audiences in a lot of ways, but this really, you know, somebody should have been sitting back and saying, wow, this really isn't fit for air. I mean, it, if you've been listening to Republic Forces Radio Network, we did some coverage of the Ewoks cartoons. We had covered droids in the past, and we covered Ewoks, and Ewoks goes nuts uh, as it moves into the second season and restructures a lot of stuff and makes it a lot goofier. It makes the second season of Ewoks look like freaking Hamlet. It, it, it's just that bad. To me, the things that stand out, um, you've got yeah, you've, you've got Itchy doing the whole, and, and can we please have, uh, who was it? What smart guy out there decided, we're going to give names to Chewbacca's family. We're going to introduce Chewbacca's family for the first time, and we're going to give his dad a name where his nickname is Itchy. Granted, Chewy is its own adjective, you know, in real life and all, but Itchy, really? Uh, lumpy, really? Uh, it's, it's like, let's find something bad for something to be, and they didn't even hide it with, with his wife. What's her name? Mala, going back to the Latin meaning bad, uh, or meaning evil. <laughs> Uh, but as they're putting this, you get the, the, the itchy, the Wookiee porn thing, which is horrible. Um, the fact that much of the story is told in Shri Wook, so you're sitting back going, okay, subtitles would be nice, folks. Instead, it's like, it's, it's like watching cavemen, you know, try to perform Shakespeare. Um, you've got B. Arthur singing, uh, who, of course, by the time that I'm seeing this, you know, I know her only from the Golden Girls, basically. And you've got Leia, Carrie Fisher singing, uh, singing to the theme of Star Wars in a way that I don't know if it was that it was that bad originally or if it's because every bootleg was just taken off of television uh, with necessarily uh, not perfect signals, so it comes out sounding kind of out of tune. But this must have been when Carrie Fisher was really, really heavy into her drug phase in order to get her to say yes to doing this. There's so much about it that's wrong, but at the same time, we can't forget that this has had that impact. We've got cantina aliens who managed to show up later in the EU, including new species based on some of these cantina aliens, uh, for, for better or worse. Uh, some of which have only recently just got names in things like rogues gallery and whatnot that we get in the insider. It does show us Kashyyyk, granted, this is a time period in which some people are calling it Kazook and all kinds of crazy stuff. It gives us Kashyyyk for the first time. It gives us Chewie's family. And both of those settings, or both the, the setting of the, the family life 
for Chewie plus uh, Kashyyyk did show up in even some of the early EU stuff. We got it in some of the Marvel UK stuff, eventually some of the other Marvel comic stuff um, to give us more background. In fact, his family showed up in those stories well before uh, Lumpy showed up uh, or any of the others showed up within uh, the expanded universe that we think of as the EU, the, you know, the post-1991 stuff that then sucked in a lot of that earlier stuff into the continuity and such. And the cartoon, the one part of this that it seems like they don't want to disavow, despite how goofy and weird the characters look compared to their normal selves and how completely, you know, sexual predator man on the corner in a raincoat Boba Fett sounds with his first line of, you are alone, and all that. This was the one that proved that Nelvana Limited a Canadian company could produce, I don't want to say quality Star Wars animation, but could produce good, decent Star Wars animation, which eventually leads to them being the ones behind the Droids and Ewoks cartoon series. Um, same company behind animation. the two of them. Uh, the same company that made Care Bears, which explains a lot about Ewoks. But it's just kind of one of these things where it's, it's a blight. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, it is an absolute blight on Star Wars. But Star Wars is one of these franchises that's able to take even the worst of its tales, even the worst of its blemishes, and find a way to work it in. Because we as fans, I think, expect it to be worked in. We expect it all to all fit together into the official continuity, as we've been told so many times it's all supposed to do, Brian Wood aside. And in doing so, in working it in, it's given some legitimacy to this film or to this television special that even Lucas himself hasn't wanted to provide to it. For me, what's going to be telling is if now that it's Disney in charge of the distribution, it's Disney in charge of Lucasfilm, not Lucas himself. At some point, will this, will droids, will Ewoks, will any of these other things that haven't been given proper home video releases, I do not count the little bit of Ewoks and droids we got on VHS, I do not count those bastardized telemovies of either of those two either, or the, uh, the movie feature-length versions on VHS and DVD. The actual series of either of those in the holiday special, will they actually get home video releases? And when they do, they will enter a sort of a proper archival Star Wars home video format. And that, I think, will be the moment in which they gain more widespread acceptance. Now it's easy to look down at the holiday special because of just where it fits in Lucas's eyes and the fact that the only way to get it, as you said, is as a bootleg at this point. But Makes it a uh, with, with, the exception, with the exception of the cartoon, which is on the... A classic trilogy bonus disc in the complete saga blu-ray set beyond that though it, it needs some measure of legitimacy it's it's legitimate to eu fans now thanks to the eu's use of it we need some legitimacy coming straight out of the powers that be that put things on home video because even though it's not lucas uh, that seems to be what legitimates or legitimizes i guess the word i'm looking for legitimizes star wars video productions give us something out there on home video for all to see in a modern day setting yeah you know the thing I always came away with was it was Boba Fett came from the EU. You know, like you got that one side of things. And then you got the other side. Of, well, well, the holiday special is George Lucas's. So it's G level canon, which proves that George is making this up as he goes. But that gets that crazy question of, you know, what, what does Lucas involvement really make or break when it comes to the canon? I mean, do we call this EU? Do we call it George? Is it a G level canon product or not? I mean, that's where I, I think it gets a little, Morph-like, you know, Morbius, Morphish, uh, you know, fluid, if you will. I, I don't know which to call it anymore. I've always considered it an EU aspect, but yet Lucas did have some involvement. So, you know, where does that line go? And, and that draws to the question, you know, we consider G-level canon to be the films and the Clone Wars series, but not 
Gendy's Clone Wars, which Lucas well, not, had well, limited. Not even, not even the Clone Wars. Clone Wars is T-Canon. Well, and, but see, but that's all under the holocron. In regular canon canon, it still falls under the father level, though, because George had his hand on it. And that's where it gets confusing. It's like, well, just because George touches it? Wait, that doesn't make no sense. That's the aspect that, that gets so frustrating because the holocron with all its multiple levels, it's like, yeah, it works, but yet you've got so many different levels that it does treat it like it's its own universe. But I get back to that question of, okay, when we're looking in the, in the tiers, the father, the son, the Holy Ghost, which would be the father being everything Lucas touched, the son being the Lucasfilm, and the Holy Ghost being all the fan fiction stuff. You know, where does it fall under father or son? Comes back to the holiday special and the fact that they've hit it, swept it under the carpet, pretended that it don't exist, and then they're like, oh, wait, Boba Fett's in this. Oh, Boba Fett's in this. If Boba Fett hadn't have been in that at all, I'm pretty sure we would not have even remembered the holiday special. That would have been such such a, a obscure thing. Nobody even cared to see it, but, hey, it had Boba Fett in it. That's Boba Fett's first appearance. We got to check this out. Oh, what? Lumpy's in it? That's all That's all side stuff. I mean, it felt so bad for that Lumpy character. And they finally, in the New Jedi Order, they had to make him a, a man. And he goes through his little man ritual or, or wee man ritual, however it goes. And he chooses the name Waru because his name was Lumpy Waru. And so he's going to go by Waru now. And, of course, then we don't ever write him in the story again now that we've finally given him a name that actually does Chewbacca some honor. <sighs> man. Yeah, and I blame it all on the holiday special. Man, so many bad things came out of this. And one good one, Boba Fett. Which wasn't even... You know, I mean, it, Boba Fett, I mean, as much credit as this gets for putting Boba Fett out there, this this was the first appearance of Fett in video form. Yeah. Yes. The hunter that's going but to it, be known as Boba Fett. <laughs> but this was, but no, but this was not uh, them creating the character. This was, this is a character that's going to be showing up in The Empire Strikes Back. Let's put it into the holiday special. Just like, let's take this character and turn him into an action figure as one of these uh, 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 proof of purchase type things. Uh, this was not a, a situation of them create. This was not Ala Secura. This was not this being created in an EU product and then picked up by Lucas later. This was mm. something Lucas seeded into this, very much like seeding uh, uh, other characters into things later on. Uh, you're right. It, it does have that level of well, just how should this be treated? Generally, it's treated uh, these days similarly to. Uh, the Ewok telemovies, to Ewoks cartoons, to the Droids cartoons, uh, to the Clone Wars Giddy Tartakovsky series. It's considered sort of the C canon, uh, or at times elements being sort of S, things being thrown out being in. But let's say that it's it does work at least to an extent uh, because it's been referenced in all these other things and being brought into it. But this is very much sort of a, a, a where Lucasfilm itself somewhat clashes with Lucas. It happens every great once in a while, like when he gave permission for Boba Fett to live and show up in Dark Empire after coming out of the Sarlacc and falling back into it in Jawas of Doom, um, and yet still having Lucas out there giving interviews saying, well, in my world, he's dead. You know, that, that separation between his vision and what he says within the scope of the films versus what he allowed Lucasfilm itself to do, in some cases very specifically allowing them to do. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see what his perspective would be on uh, whether Lucasfilm and the EU adapting and bringing in the holiday special as one of those many things from the past that they have worked into the continuity, whether at some point he would say, well, you know, that is something I would not have allowed if they had bothered to ask me type of thing, because certainly he doesn't want it out there uh, on film again. So CBS, congratulations. Your impact on this in terms of airing between a New Hope and Empire is to air something that was essentially garbage. Uh, it, it did not work. The only thing I could think of that would be 
more face palming in terms of Star Wars productions being allowed into it is that whole ice capades thing that they did at one point. Well, now the question I guess I, I have next is, is there anything redeemable about it? I mean, is there any story in here that, that would be worthy of keeping alive? There are enough elements that come out of this that while these stories in here are pretty much throwaway, you could dump them with no real impact whatsoever. The fact that it's the starting point of so many of those elements and it's been worked into those other stories means pretty much we just kind of have to live with it. It's there. Oh, well, there's not a whole lot that we can we can say about it. You know, it's it's part of the saga for better or worse. And in this case, it's mostly worse and i think part of that desire to continue and make sure that it's in there is that uh, this is mark hamill this is harrison ford carrie fisher peter mayhew uh, james earl jones doing vader's voice and so on and so on. i mean these are the actual star wars actors this they couldn't even get all the star wars actors back for the radio dramas and we have no question of whether they're in continuity or not so there's some level of trying to pay respect, I think, to those people and their involvement in this, because this wasn't originally meant to be an out-of-continuity type of parody, like, say, you know, Luke Skywalker showing up on The Muppet Show. This was meant to be a new Star Wars story, just a little over a year, almost a year and a half after we got A New Hope in theaters to tide us over for the couple years we still had to wait for Empire. Uh, it's one of those things that, j just from the sake of being someone who collects Star Wars on home video now, the whole from the Star Wars home video library on YouTube and all, I would like to have this in some kind of official release. But we can just add it to the list of stuff like Star Wars The Legacy Revealed and whatnot that we're still waiting on at this point in time. Uh, you know, having it actually put out there, that wouldn't be terrible. Uh, everyone would get to enjoy it. It wouldn't be such a hunt. But at the same time, I think there's that, that little aspect of fun there that, you know, you, you've seen one of those few rare things that not many people have seen. I'll end with simply the unanswered question of, so given that Jefferson Starship performed on the holiday special, given that in their song they sing about the great god Copa Khan, who came from the stars and vanished, where the legends say he will come back again someday, does that make him an ancient Star Wars god? Or... Is that just all a bunch of fan service? Maybe he's one of those elder gods they talk about in Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void. And with that, this has been Mark. And Nathan. From Star Wars Beyond the Film saying, May the Force be with you and don't quote us the odds. That we'll ever get this sucker on home video. Well, remember that Whistler's one of our hosts too. Sorry, buddy. Guess what, Tom? What's up? I had a chance to talk with Gus Lopez and get some of his thoughts on the Star Wars Holiday Special. You're kidding me. Let's hear what he's got to say. So I'm talking with Gus Lopez. Gus, did you see the Holiday Special when it originally aired in November of 1978? Yeah, I did. Um... In fact, I remember at the time, I was looking forward to it. I'd seen it advertised on TV, and it was in TV Guide, and I actually recorded it, not video recorded. It had a cassette recorder to record it. I don't think, I probably have the cassette somewhere still, but yeah, no, I watched the whole thing. It was it was exciting. Did you have any expectations of what it was going to be? Well, at that time, it was like anything Star Wars was, was thrilling to see on TV. There was very little on Star Wars. Like, I would catch 
pretty much anything on TV that that featured Star Wars. So that included, um, you know, there was a there was a, a show, uh, you know, blanking on the name, but the, like the guy that was like the dad on Happy Days. <laughs> um, that guy, well, he he would did a show about films that covered Star Wars, and there was like the Science Fiction Awards. You know, a year after the Academy Awards, all these things that did Star Wars, I always watched. But the holiday special was actually an official Star Wars thing that was happening. So I was like, wow, that's going to be really awesome. So I had the cassette recorder ready to go um, to, to record that. Um, yeah, and, I, you know, I, it wasn't great. I mean, I knew at the time it wasn't great, but it was still anything Star Wars was exciting. At that point, were you collecting the Kenner figures? Yeah, so I had started collecting Kenner figures from the very beginning, and uh, they were already out by then because mm-hmm. that – um, that was around the time that they started to kind of advertise the Boba Fett offer. So I, I'm trying to remember the exact sequence, but when they had Boba Fett in the holiday special was around the time they started to promote the mail-away offer. So, oh, okay. Because I, I think that they coincided like around the same time. As a prop collector, are there many props out there from the holiday special that are known to exist? Yeah, there aren't many Many props from Holiday Special. Um, I do know of a few out there, some props and costumes that are out there. Um, not many. Um, and they're, they're generally concentrated in, in very few collections. Uh, but, uh, there, there are a few pieces. There's like a Chewbacca mask that was in, used in, it was, uh, used in Star Wars and then later on used, adjusted for the Holiday Special. I know that, I know of some costumes out there. So, yeah. So there, there's just some exciting stuff. But, but not much. It's not like, it, it, yeah, it's surprisingly the toughest thing in Star Wars, I think, to find props from. I mean, any of the films, you know, the Ewok movies, those, there's more of that stuff around. Not that any of that stuff's really common, but Holiday Special is actually very, very tough. After the Holiday Special had originally aired, did you think that it would re air at some point that was the thinking I, i'm surprised it never aired again uh frankly um because i you know i think it would have you know you would have hoped it would become like usually with those holiday specials it becomes an annual thing you know um but it was just once and never aired again <laughs> <laughs> is the holiday special something you thought about um for years after it aired or did you or did it just kind of fade from your memory like a lot of people kind of forgot about it oh no i never forgot the holiday special I mean, it, it was, you know, so it was the introduction of Boba Fett. You know, for the longest time, I wanted a videotape of it. and never had one. I mean, it really wasn't until the 90s that I finally had a videotape of it. Yeah, no, I I, I, I vividly remembered it, actually. I, I did, um, you know, I even remembered the story to some extent, um, you know, and I had only seen it that one time. Uh, so it was a big event. I mean, I thought it was, a, I, that was your experience, too. But at the time, that was like, you know, uh, you know, was a, a you know was a whole Star Wars story being aired on TV. Um, I mean, obviously, it was you know now in hindsight, you know the the I would say like the the qualities of it are very different than <laughs> the rest of Star Wars. But uh, but uh, but it, it's kind of got an interesting. It's made kind of a comeback. It's got this kind of kitsch value now that that like you know I, you, you ask a lot of fans twenty years ago they would have made fun of it like crazy, but. Uh, but I think now people have come in a weird way appreciate the holiday special more. What What would you say is your favorite part of the holiday special? Um, I think the the cartoon is actually pretty good. The Kenner commercials are good, but of the of the live action parts, um, I really like the cantina scene is is excellent. You know, I mean, just they bring out all the cantina characters and all that. That's um really really good. The um the scenes with Lumpy's toys and stuff in his bedroom are pretty cool. Like the Bantha toy and the X wing toy. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people really like that. You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's, it, when you see like Harrison Ford in it, it, it's funny to see Harrison Ford in it because it's like this 
great actor stuck in a bad show. So you see him actually trying to give it an effort and, you know, when he's in the Falcon and he's doing all his stuff with like, Chewie, the data computer, this or whatever, you know, it's like, it's just, you just feel sorry for him. Like that he's stuck in this, you know, he's stuck in this terrible program, but he's got to kind of do it. Uh, you know, that was just kind of the impression. Um, so, you know, those are some of my favorite moments. Um, I mean, there's some really cheesy moments too, that are, that are kind of fun now in hindsight, like, like, uh, like, I don't know what's going on with like Mark Hamill's hair in that, in that thing is like, yeah. it's like uber blonde, like, uh-huh. like, you know, it's like bright yellow hair. And then like that whole singing part with Carrie Fisher does. And then the, and then, and then, you know, at the time when all the Wookiees are wearing the red robes, I mean, obviously it just seems like it's a cost thing. Like they couldn't make Wookiee suits for everybody. So they just gave them red robes and got a bunch of Don Post Chewbacca masks that they altered. Uh, but, but it's kind of funny how they, they did all that, you know, just to kind of get around the cost constraints and, uh, uh they pulled it off. Okay. When, uh, you, you mentioned that you, uh, saw it again in the nineties. Do you remember, um, getting the tape again and was it difficult to acquire? Yeah, it wasn't, you know, as a lot of fans and collectors started to get on the internet and I had been on the internet for a while, but as fans and collectors try to get on the internet, um, it wasn't too hard to get tapes and people started having them at conventions as well at toy shows. Um, and then it became more of try to get quality tapes of it and then quality DVDs. And now people have some pretty good quality ones that have been preserved, but yeah, that was a lot of it was trying to, like I had some poor quality ones at first, but I had one of the early, I, like I, for the longest time, like I had tapes of it before, you know, lots of other people did not. Um, like I, I got them pretty early, um, and I watched it a few times, and, and it was like, wow, I knew it wasn't great, but I had no idea. Like in time, it was like, wow, this is pretty bad, you know. But I mean, it's bad, but it's still kind of fun. I, I still love it in a weird way, in a kind of a, a kitsch way. But it's like it's the um, it is it is you know it's obviously very poor production quality, but um, but yeah, I mean, I remember I would tell people because I have all these people come up to me wanting to see it. And I would tell them, like, it's way better in your memories than anything, you know, I guarantee you're not going to enjoy watching it. I remember, like, in the 90s, the mid-90s, I went to Starlack meetings. People would ask me to bring the tape. And I said, I'll, I'll make, you know, I made a deal to people. I said, if you sit through the whole holiday special, I'll give you a vintage action figure. And <laughs> and and not everybody made it through. Like, a lot of people said it. Not this. Like, they tried and they said, this is just dreadful. Like, they, they just couldn't sit through the whole. Like, they were like, oh, this is win-win you know I, I really want to see the holiday special i haven't seen it and and i get a free action figure out of it great and then they're into it like 10 minutes they're like oh my god you know <laughs> like this is really hard to sit through <laughs> do you think it's better to watch it with the original commercials or without oh definitely with yeah the commercials yeah i mean the commercial well the, for one thing there's star wars commercials in it but just a lot of them are just so dated and stuff. I think it's way better with commercials, uh, way more interesting. I mean, you know, it's probably good, to, ideally, to have both clean co- a clean copy and a commercial copy, but I think mm-hmm. there's there's merit in, in both versions of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A holiday special is easy to make fun of, but I, I honestly think it's it's kind of part of our Star Wars culture. And so I kind of wish they still, to this day, could make toys for it. You know, they really haven't made very much product related to it. They've made a few things, but not many. You know, like they've made the cartoon Boba Fett from mm-hmm. it and stuff. But, but they literally could make toys of all the characters. Um, I really wish they'd release it on Blu-ray. Um, I, I, I wouldn't throw it out of the realm of possibility. I'm just not sure who owns the rights to it. Um, if 
20th Century Fox owns the rights to it, um, but uh, or or now Disney does. I'm not sure who has the rights to it. I know that the the lot, a number of the key props and costumes in it are Lucasfilm still has, um, and those weren't sold to Disney, so they're still in the Lucasfilm prop archives. But um, yeah, so I mean, I, I I really I love the holiday special. I've, it, it took me a while to kind of come around to it, but but I'm kind of a big fan of it. More the comical part of it. It's not the kind of thing I sit down and watch every month or something, but it's. It's, uh, it's, you know, I think it's a kind of a part of our Star Wars past. It's kind of a glimpse of what would have happened to Star Wars if Fox had been in charge of it. That's kind of like, you know, <laughs> to, to me, like the, you know, and then, you know, part of it's like variety shows in the day were all like that, you know, and that they were kind of emulating that format. But part of it's like, yeah, if, if Star Wars had been kept by a studio that really didn't care about quality, this is what we would be seeing. You know, we'd have a cheesy TV show or something like that every week. So do you have anything from the holiday special in your collection? Um, you know, there isn't a whole lot to collect from the holiday special. I do have a few things. I have the um I have a I have the single from Jefferson Starship from Holiday Special. It was like a mm-hmm. promotional thing they gave to radio stations. And I also have animation cells from the cartoon in it. So I have some of like Boba Fett, of Luke, some pretty good ones. I have some good ones with backgrounds. Um, wow. So I've, I've not gotten them framed yet, but they're the pretty beautiful ones from Holiday Special. Um, so those are the about the only Holiday Special things yeah, I can think of that I have. There really isn't a whole lot out there, actually. From, from, from There's some promotional materials and stuff, but... Mm-hmm. There really isn't a whole lot out there. But yeah, the animation cells are gorgeous. Um, especially it's like the first, you know, time you see Boba Fett. So I have one of him riding that serpent thing or whatever, that like dinosaur thing that he rides. Okay, cool. Well, I think I've got some uh, good clips from you. So cool. I should be able to use them and put them in the show. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks for your time, Gus. Sure, yeah. Appreciate it. Bye. We boarded the blockade, curfew, and started a search operation. It's just a matter of time before we find the rebels. I want the rebels located and identified, if it means searching every household in the system. And we are talking with Eric Geller and Eric Blythe of the Force cast. Hello, guys. Hey. Hello. You know, this is our big 35th anniversary celebration of the Star Wars holiday special. Eric Geller, I will start with you. What do you think of the holiday special? And have you even seen it? Oh yes, no, I've seen the holiday special. Um, it, it's, uh, I believe, the day that I saw it. I, I will refer to it as the day that will live in infamy for for the rest of my life, my, my <laughs> Star Wars, my Star Wars fan memory, because uh, it, it's one of those things where um, everybody talks about it. It has this mythical status, and uh, you watch it, and you you understand what people are saying. You know, there are definitely some scenes where you just want to fast forward, but you keep reminding yourself, nope. I'm, to be a true Star Wars fan, you must be able to say that at some point you sat through the whole thing without fast-forwarding. You must keep your stamina and keep your wits about you, and I, I was able to persevere. So you've seen the you've seen the entire entire special. <laughs> yes, mercifully it, it did end, but uh, yeah. yes. And uh, Eric Blythe. Yes. Um, wow. I, I will say it, it took me multiple attempts before I finally got through it, and. Uh, uh, my my two stories with it initially, I was a, a little kid, and uh, it was a big deal for me to get to stay up and watch this on the not the only time it aired. And I was really upset because I got special permission from my parents to stay up, and I, I got permission to watch. And I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of TV back then, but they were going out, and we had a babysitter, and she decided she was watching – I don't know, Dallas or, or, or something. And I'm like, but but I got special permission to watch this. You don't understand. It's Star Wars. So uh, I missed it. 
the when it first aired, mm-hmm. and I uh, had to catch it years later on on YouTube. So I can say that I, I actually have not seen the entire Boba Fett cartoon. I've seen most of it, but there were a couple of snippets of it that were missing. But man, th- this goes to show that you can't just slap the Star Wars name on something and automatically have it be good. Yeah. Yeah, that that really goes to show that it's not enough just to have the name on there. You have to have uh, content that that's meaningful and, and that's quality. And, and wow, this was not so much. Do you think that that there's any chance that this may see the light of day officially? I, I think there's there's a, a time and a place to release this, and I think that someday we may actually see it in an official release somehow. You know, it's funny. I was making uh, my wife watch this. Actually, she said, oh, what, what's the big deal? Let's watch it. And I said, no, you don't understand. Oh, no. She said, no, let, let's sit down and watch it, because at this point I hadn't seen it all the way through yet. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, but listen, if you're going to sit down and watch it, you have to watch it all the way through. Start to finish, no exceptions. She's like, yeah, sure, no problem. What's the big deal? It was torturous. Wow. Um, and now you, yeah, you but, guys uh, attend couples therapy, right? Oh, pretty much. Yeah. 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 Ugh. The, the virtual uh, uh, virtual reality box thing and uh, Jefferson Starship and, and B. Arthur. And yeah, it was a little too much. But, you know, as a kid, though, it was kind of cool to get to see where Chewbacca lives and what his family's like. And, uh, you know, and keep in mind, this is back in, in the 70s. But, you know, I did have a lot of friends who got to see it. And, and some of them had, had videotaped and I got to see a couple of pieces of it. Of course, videotape you know, was almost non-existent back then anyway, but um, it was, it was kind of cool to get to see a little bit more of a glimpse of the Star Wars universe though, especially when it came to the Wookiees because everybody loved Chewbacca, but of course nobody knows much about him. So this is a TV show that aired one time only. Mm -hmm. It was 35 years ago, yet there are still a group of fans who still continue to talk about it, whether for the better or worse. It's still around in people's um, memories, and do you think that people still think about it, talk about it, and do watch it because strictly because it was Star Wars or strictly because it was so bad that it just it just brings up the you know hey let's watch something that's just so bad that it might be good or do you think it's because it's something that they don't want you to see so people want to see it yes all three no i i think that uh, because it is kind of it's the forbidden fruit of star wars it's it's kind of the taboo topic that it's the one thing that it's okay to admit was bad Mm -hmm. in star wars and it was so bad that uh, a lot of us wear it as a badge of honor that we watched it, we sat through it. Uh, most people haven't. It's very difficult to get a hold of. So you actually have to go out of your way to hunt down this footage and and to sit through it. And as bad as it is, you know, to, to have to go out of your way to then be tortured by this, it, it's, you know, it, it takes a true fan to sit through this. And I think really that's part of the appeal is, is it, it defines you as um, one of the upper echelon of, of Star Wars fans, really. At least that's the perception. That's right. It has a cult status. That's the way I yeah. would describe it is it's this thing where everybody talks about it. You have to really want it. And once you've seen it, you're in this – I mean this is a little bit of sort of sociology here, but you're in this little in-group of people who can laugh at this at this truly horrific piece of, of television, and you, you get mm-hmm. the in-jokes when somebody says Wookiee porn. Everybody looks at you <laughs> like you're crazy except for that one guy on the other side of the room who's seen the special. Uh, it's right. something where you can, you can have a little private joke about it because, as Eric said, it's not – uh, one of the core episodes of the saga where everybody has seen it and it's just taken as a given that you understand it. It's kind of an offshoot and everybody everybody sort of talks about it as if it's this crazy 
um, thing completely unlike the rest of Star Wars, and that that gets people interested. Okay, well, Eric Geller, Eric Blythe, I really thank you for your time. Um, why don't you tell everyone exactly uh, how they can find you on your own podcast? How can people find us? Hmm. How can people find us? Well, you know, that's a good question. Um, you can go to forcecast.net. Uh, that's our main podcast network. We've got the main Forcecast show, which Eric and I both do. Uh, we got a Star Wars gaming show, a Star Wars literature show. Um, those are the Sabak Table and Jedi Journals. And then there's also an Indiana Jones uh, podcast, the IndieCast. And that's and, pretty much uh, the best way to, to check us out. Uh, you can also, <laughs> of course, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, facebook.com slash forcecast, twitter.com slash forcecast. And we'd be happy to chat Star Wars with anybody, anytime. Great. And it, and it was an honor to have you both on the show. And again, I do thank you for your time. Oh, it was thank an you. honor to be here. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Eric and Eric. This is Tobor. Tobor, the telesonic robot. Batteries not included. He's under your control. With a click from the telesonic commander. To circle. To proceed forward. To circle. Or to pick up the support module and return. All on your command. Tobor's robot spelled backwards. Tobor, the telesonic robot from Shopper. I wonder how many takes it took to uh, pick up that freaking command module you're not going to get that one in the first trial i can't believe that chris and ryan have not showed up yet maybe we should go look for them my guess is that they're probably at the cantina on tatooine you want to head to acmina's now yeah let's go look for them and in the meantime check out this interview i did with scott from star wars holiday special.com he knows his holiday special and I am talking with Scott from StarWarsHolidaySpecial.com. Hello, Scott. Howdy. I have been checking out your website for the last few years, and it has uh, quite a bit of information about the Star Wars Holiday Special, probably the most information to be found on the web. I guess that's probably true. There's uh, there's not too many sites devoted to the Holiday Special. In fact, I don't know if there's any specifically devoted only to that. That's basically the the full repository of just about everything there is. When did you start this website? Uh, about 10 years ago. Actually, it's exactly 10 years uh, this year, as of uh, October, that I went online back in 2003. But actually, the genesis of it was long before that. I've been collecting anything related to the holiday special as as far back as, as I could. Uh, and of course, there wasn't much to be found for a long, long time, but uh, I had been thinking for a while about doing something with the Star Wars Holiday Special. And the thing that really spurred it on was I got my hands on an original script from the Star Wars Holiday Special. And once I got that and found that it was full of information that nobody knew about, like character names and you know spellings of, of character names and information about characters and, and so forth. I realized I had all this information that I really wanted to share with people, and the logical thing to do was to put a website up. So that's when I did it. I got the uh, I got the script shortly before that, and a couple other items relating to the holiday special around that time that were really, really cool. And so I wanted to share that and share all the pictures that I had gathered up over the years and had on the computer. You know, anything that came from the holiday special, I would save it. And uh, so after quite a few years, I had fairly good collection of, of photos and things I'd scanned from magazines and so forth. So I started the website, and it, you know, I meant for it to be absolutely everything possible. 
that could be on the site relating to the holiday special. I wanted it to be there. I wanted every every bit of information you could possibly get because the official site, StarWars.com, had pretty much nothing about this. And so I was determined that this was going to be everything that they didn't have would be on my site. It really does seem like Lucasfilm has tried to distance itself from this special as, as much as possible. Well, they certainly did, although in recent times, especially within, say, the last five years, I would say that they have lightened up on that quite a bit. When I first put the website up, there was definitely much more of a an air of nobody even wanted to talk about it or they didn't want anything to do with it. They didn't, they didn't even want to have... There was, there was the rare article maybe in Star Wars Insider that mentioned it, or maybe a photo or two, but they would tend to shy away from it, and um, I, I think it was kind of a, a hot potato that nobody wanted to touch. But uh, after the website went up, I think you know more and more interest was generated in it, and people started uh, wanting to find out more. And I think over time, there was a bit more sort of legitimate interest in it you know, as a curiosity, and and in the things that about it that were that kind of went beyond the uh, the bad storyline and so forth. The, you know, the fact that uh, you could see the characters in their original costumes. The only place you would see them in those costumes outside of the original Star Wars movie. There was the, of course, the cartoon, and uh, there was the cantina scene where you got to see all those cantina creatures in much better lighting conditions than you did in the original cantina. And you got to see, you know, a few extras that weren't around in the original canteen. And, you know, just some just some kind of neat things like that. Plus, you know, a couple of uh, new Wookiee characters that no one had ever seen before. So there were, you know, legitimate reasons to, to you know, like some, some things about it. I think what it really came to a head when StarWars.com in, in 2008, which was, you know, the... Th- the year of the 30th anniversary of the Star Wars Holiday Special, they did a week-long tribute to the holiday special and had every day of that week leading up to the, you know, the date that it aired, they had a, uh, a new article posted on the site with all kinds of uh, really cool and amazing stuff about the holiday special. And then they even interviewed me for the site and, you know, at, talked about my website and, and how I, you know, set that up and, and uh, what, you know, basically like you're doing here. And I was, you know, I was pretty surprised by that, but it was really cool. I was like, wow, they're finally, you know, acknowledging this. They're finally actually giving it some legitimacy. Maybe someday they'll even find a way to actually release it. When they released the um, animated short yes. on, the, on the Blu-ray, would you think maybe that was their first step in maybe testing the water? Yeah, I mean, uh, that was definitely a step in the right direction there. Uh, you know, because even even that was... There were so many chances where they could have probably released that, you know, like mm-hmm. when they put out the droids cartoon on a DVD and that could have maybe been on there as an extra, you know, just, or, or previous DVD releases where they could have included that and they never did. And so when they finally did, it was like, OK, so they they they've actually finally released that part. So maybe someday they'll they'll actually uh, decide it might be OK to release the rest of it uh-huh. <laughs> feeling on that is that uh, if they did do it you know they should they should do it as a you know with a disclaimer about it and and, and as kind of a novelty release it, with a with a low price point maybe a commentary track from the uh, mst3k guys the riff tracks guys on our podcast we have occasionally talked about the holiday special speculating if it will ever get an official release 
do you know the specifics of who owns the entire special? Because we've wondered, well, does CBS own it? Does 20th Century Fox own it? Does Lucasfilm own it? Does Disney now own it? Is there is that clear? That's a that's a very good question. I have some copies of legal documentation that records a transfer of rights to Lucasfilm from CBS, dated backdated to uh, the early 80s, and so it but it took effect in. Uh, I think it was 1989. So by the end of the 80s, Lucasfilm rightfully owned all of the basically property relating to the Star Wars Holiday Special. They they bought it or transferred it somehow from from CBS. So that included the master uh, tapes and uh, the script and so forth that went with it. And I assume everything that was related to the Star Wars Holiday Special. I remember there being rumors that the Holiday Special was being prepped for like a VHS release at the end of the 80s, which would have corresponded nicely with Lucasfilm getting a hold of the the rights to it. However, that obviously didn't happen, and um, you know maybe maybe after they got hold of it, they actually sat down and watched it and said, "Oh no way, we're not releasing that." <laughs> that was the end of that. I'm not sure. I don't know how much truth there was to the rumors, but uh, but yeah, that, obviously that didn't happen. But it was back in Lucasfilm's hands and out of CBS's hands, and um, it apparently went into their archives never to be seen again you know until more recently when we got the uh, the cartoon footage with disney now owning star wars basically i assume that that means that they also own the star wars holiday special however i don't have anything to back that up could very well be they specifically put a clause in the contract saying we do not want the star wars holiday special please do not give it us to give it to us but uh <laughs> i you know i i assume that uh that it went with everything else. And who knows what Disney will do with that. That's that's an interesting thought, too. And maybe Disney will decide it's okay to release it. I know, you know, George Lucas had, you know, very personal reasons why he, he was very let down and disappointed by it. Disney might not have that same feeling about it. Um, they might decide that it's eh, just maybe just funny enough or goofy enough that they could, that they could put it out. You know, it, it, would, uh, it would, of course cut down or maybe cut out almost entirely the the piracy mm -hmm. people like copying it from from old vhs tapes and so forth um it used to be really bad because you would you know you'd have to get a copy of it you know from a convention or from ebay or something and you never knew what you were going to get the quality was usually just absolutely awful like you know it would be all faded out or it would be like orange colored or something and you know lots of glitches in the in the video and really bad sound and over the years though as it's you know hasn't been released in any official format people have continued to trade those but when it's uh when it reached digital format people transferring it off the old vhs tapes you know the the worst copies started to fall by the wayside and uh we started seeing better and better copies because you know why why hang on to a really crummy copy of it when you know you find one that's better and then that's the one that you wind up trading with your friend or whatever yeah and it, of course it never degrades at that point so it got to the point where nowadays there's uh some pretty decent copies floating around that were taken from somebody's original off-air recording but you know taken from the original first generation vhs tape yeah I've, I've seen a couple of those more recent transfers and they look they look a lot of them look really nice i have one of the old vhs versions from the 90s that i traded somebody for on america online or something and i got and it's definitely a tape of a tape of a tape yeah. but but in the in the mid 90s that it was still gold like that was like oh yeah 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 when i got when i 
first, I mean, I had searched for that for so many years, and when I when I finally found one, I mean, it was in a most unlikely place. It was a record store that, where they had it on the shelf, and uh, you know, amongst other music related bootlegs, and there it was. And I just I just flipped right there. It was, you know, it was like the it was a holy grail in a, in a yeah. way. It was, you know, at least for the time, it's like. I finally found that thing that I thought I might never see again. Right. Let's talk about collecting collecting items from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah, that um, as far as the Holiday Special goes, I mean, for a long, long time, it was a very, very limited market because there just was almost nothing in terms of uh, official related items to collect. Um, so, you know, it was pretty easy to complete your collection um, there were a couple difficult, to, you know, really difficult to get things. But, I mean, as far as, like, quantity, there wasn't a whole lot to collect. But as of, uh, well, probably around uh, 2007 is when the, the sort of floodgates kind of opened. And a number of things started coming out that were, some of them were directly made to be from the holiday special. Others were not necessarily directly made to be from it, but they were obviously from it. You know, say like the the red snaggletooth mm-hmm. only appears in in the Star Wars Holiday Special um, with that outfit. And uh, when they made the original Kenner toy, I mean they they used the wrong photo. Obviously, they used a photo from the Star Wars Holiday Special, and they made the figure to look exactly like that photo. And so unofficially, that's a Star Wars Holiday Special. Toy right there. That was right. one really, apart from Boba Fett. It's it's pretty interesting that Lucasfilm would have sent them that photo to use from from the holiday special. Yeah, well, I think uh, for a long time, I mean, it wasn't you know Star Wars photos weren't as as well publicized as they are now, and so people didn't really know the difference. You know, they saw a Cantina character from the holiday special and one from Star Wars, and then they both looked like they were from the same film. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what happened there. There are some uh, prototypes made of the Wookiee family. Yes. Um, and yes. Have four you seen figures. four figures? Uh, do you know if if they were? I've I've seen photos of the prototypes, but do you know if they were planning on releasing those as figures, or is that something they were just messing around with at the Kenner factory? Or do you know like how far in place that was? Or yeah, well, obviously they only got to the prototype stage. Um, but, uh, from what I've heard, there were plans to, to create a, an action figure line of, of things related to the holiday special. Of course, they didn't know that the holiday special was going to be this massive flop that nobody Mm -hmm. wanted to talk about again. But so, so they were gearing up for that, you know, assuming that, that maybe they'd have another big windfall in their hands. You know, people would see this and then they'd want to buy all the toys from it. Um, there were, uh, of course the, the four Wookiee. Uh, prototypes, um, Chewbacca, um, and then uh, Itchy, uh, his, his his father, and then Mala, and then Lumpy. But in addition to that, there are drawings, um, and you can see some of them on, on the website. There are drawings of uh, prototype toys for, like, uh, Boba Fett's sea serpent, the, the uh, big beast that you see him ride in the cartoon, actually working on a, a design for his for his uh, sea serpent, which would have been really oh. Cool. Yeah, that would have been really cool. Yeah, it makes me wonder how they would have would they would have designed it with the trap door for the saddle like they did with the dewback or. In my yeah. mind, that's how they would have done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know that would have been that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm not even sure 
that the I'm trying to think if the Dewback had come out at that point, um, if they'd even invented that. that I, you know, um, we've been kind of doing a, res, a retrospective of the vintage figures, and we kind of lumped that in with the 1979 toys. Yeah. Not to yeah. say it wasn't out yet, but that's kind of where we thought it fit in. And not only that, but they would have had to have done uh, development on it for quite a while beforehand, So, and development on the Sea Serpent. So who knows if they'd even come up with that, that invention for a way to solve the problem of the action figure's legs not not being able to bend right um but yeah to me i think i think it would have been uh seems likely they would have done that trapdoor trick because that would have been that would have worked really well Mm -hmm. especially on the serpent which was huge you know so obviously the character's legs aren't going to be going straddling it right but um that one as far as i know only went to the drawing board and uh and i think it stopped there i don't i don't know of any any prototypes that were actually completed and it's possible i mean maybe there were some they were thrown out um or maybe there's still some out there somewhere that no one's discovered yet or they're in a private collection but um as far as i know it just was a drawing only but there uh, you know there were other sort of rumored things that um they wanted to do at the time as well uh there was the talk of maybe the holiday special could function like a pilot for a new series on tv and uh if it was successful, you know, maybe they would go on to do more. Um, obviously, it wasn't, so that didn't go anywhere. But, um, you know, if that happened, they would want a whole line of, of toys to go with that, too. And uh, so there were definitely plans for that. I say once it fell through, I mean, once it once it, the holiday special was obviously not a hit, then those everything was scrapped. Mm-hmm. The, um, the Wookiee costumes um, for... Mala, lumpy, and itchy. Pretty well designed. They were actually very well designed. I mean, it, it tends to get overlooked because of the, you know, the the badness of the entire production. But uh, but in terms of the individual, you know, costumes and 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 how their design was, they're they're quite amazing. I mean, they're they're very well made. They put a lot into that. One thing that's interesting to note is that uh, Stan Winston, who's you know, went on to become very well known for for his later uh, prosthetics and creatures effects work, he got kind of got a start working on the Star Wars Holiday Special, and um, he worked on some of that stuff. So um, the fact that it came out really you know, amazingly well done um, in Stan's hands is is kind of not surprising when you look back at it and say, yeah, mm-hmm. that's he was the guy. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I do think that uh, that they they had to have been thinking. There's a possibility that if this is does really well, they may want to do more with this. And so I think they put as much effort into making those Wookiee outfits and, and making them the, the masks in particular, making them uh, look realistic with the with their movements. I think that they they put as much effort into that as they did a, a movie costume, which tells me that you know they 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 thought there might be more use for it mm-hmm. down the road, and, or you know they wanted to they wanted to at least prepare for that possibility. So uh, who knows? Who knows what uh, what the, what might have happened? You know, had the had the actual special turn out to be a really cool thing that people liked. You know, they might have done more stuff and featured those costumes, done a whole series on the Wookiee family. Seems to me it's something George Lucas would have been open to, uh, had things gone differently. They did not. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> so Lucasfilm, even though they were disappointed in the in the in the holiday special itself, they must have been to some extent happy with the Nelvana short 
because they yes. use them later on for droids and Ewoks. So yes, that was the one um, you know bright spot I think that everyone agreed on that uh, the cartoon came out quite well and um, Nelvana was uh, sort of a, a Lucas had been interested in them for a while prior to the holiday special and he had sort of picked them out to do uh, something for the holiday special because I he had seen a. There's a production they get they did called well, it was a Christmas production and um, he had seen that and I'm trying to think of the name of it and I'm forgetting off the top of my head but uh, anyway he had he had seen that and thought you know I'd like to have those guys do something for Star Wars and so he he brought them in to have a segment in the in the Star Wars holiday special and um, you know as as we know it, it actually came out pretty well I mean it's hard to go wrong when you've got uh, animation of that level you know with the, the that look that's really really cool look mm-hmm. uh that sort of everything's dirty and used the way that it, you know that it is in the star wars universe and uh and then to have the original actors voicing all the characters that's that's a big bonus i mean you that's don't, you don't that, usually get that yeah that's something i'm definitely curious about is did they get them all in one room to do the voiceover or did they do them all separately or, you know, how, and how did they get them all to do it? Yeah, that, well, it was all part of a package, you know, um, they had sort of, uh, they've said that the actors themselves have sort of said it was kind of in their contract to do that. They also felt an obligation to George. I mean, he had, he had, uh, they really, they really respected him. And of course he'd made them extremely famous. And, um, on top of that, he'd cut them in on the, the, um, a, you know, a, a fraction of the the uh, profits mm-hmm. to the movie, which he didn't have to do, and so he'd made them extremely rich as well. So you know, they felt a great debt to George for what he'd done for them, and you know, so it wasn't like they were easily going to say no to something right. you know that he wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of uh, they felt kind of obligated to do this, and um, since they were all, I don't know exactly when their when their voice tracks were recorded, but I assume. Since they were all there doing the filming for the Star Wars Holiday Special, and they were all together at that point, that um, it it probably wasn't too hard to, to bundle them all into a, a studio um, and record audio as well, and then just use that for the for the Star Wars for the uh, the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the there's sort of an early pencil test version of the cartoon that was posted on StarWars.com back in 2008, and it's I think it's it's taken. Well, it might still be up there, uh, but it's uh, you know it's it's just a rough early version they did of it, and it has a soundtrack with all of the voices and everything. But they're all done, you know, with different people, not with the actors. So the actors obviously recorded their stuff later; it was added in. Since they were able to get all the actors to do the special, they even got them in their original costumes from the film. Um, you can see a lot of you know, and probably because it's a television special, a lot of makeup, especially on Mark Hamill. Yes. Do you know if that's because he had had that accident and they were just putting a lot of makeup on it, or is this, bef- you know, was putting a lot of makeup on him because of the accident, or is it just because you know they're doing a TV show and it's just common to put a lot of makeup on people for to show up properly on cameras? Well, he had far more than any of the other actors, um, and I'm certain that it was because of the the accident, which the, the accident had taken place um very late in the uh in the timeline of of star wars 
Um, I mean, it actually did happen while the movie was still being worked on. They were they were trying to film uh, pickup scenes of the land speeder going through the desert, and uh, on the way to go, you know, be in that scene, Mark Hamill had crashed, and mm-hmm. uh, the uh, you know it was a, it was a terrible accident, and and he really damaged his face really badly. You don't see much of uh, what happened then. In fact, really, the, the holiday special appearance, which was well, would have been a little while later, but um, but you know his face would have still been pretty heavily damaged, and and that's that's the that's the only time you really see him between Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back. So, and you know that in The Empire Strikes Back, his face is you know pretty scarred up. Yeah. So you can sort of imagine what it might have looked like um, maybe three years earlier or two years earlier. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he would have been, you know, in, in, in pretty bad shape. And, and even though I haven't seen any, any, uh, you know, real confirmation of, of that being why they did it, I'm, you know, almost hundred percent certain that, that they had to put extra makeup on him to sort of cover up the fact that he, you know, had, had a lot of scars and so forth and damage to his face. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that's, that's what happened there. Now, looking on your website, you have um, a pretty you have a lot of details about the production, about the cast, the crew. Um, something else I've wondered a long time about where a lot of the aliens in the Cantina sequence with Akmina, um, a lot of them are uncredited. Yeah, and I'm just curious: have the actors who played all these aliens have they started to come out of the woodwork in the last in recent years? Because with the with conventions now and people signing things, it seems like, you know, if someone played, you know, Hammerhead in the Star Wars Holiday Special, why not go sign for a day and, you know, charge $20 to sign? Have, have you, uh, does anything like that sort of happen or is it still pretty much unknown who all these um, actors were? It's funny. I mean, you know, I, I had kind of hoped that some of these actors would come out of the woodwork, but um, it really hasn't happened much at all. Uh, it's still a great mystery as to who was under those masks. In in Star Wars, um, that stuff eventually, you know, started to come out, and and um, even even as, even with Star Wars, it's not everything is known because you had like maybe some extra who was hanging around who popped a mask on for five minutes and, and jumped into a scene and that was it. They got paid for a day's work or whatever. And then they were, they're gone on to something else. Mm-hmm. They may not even, even remembered that they did it. Um, I'm sure it was the same situation, maybe even more so on the star Wars holiday special where it was just a TV studio and they probably just, um, got whoever happened to be available and could wear the costume and the mask to go do it. And then, um, and then they went on to whatever, um, afterwards, you know, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of the people um, have passed on too since then. So there's a lot of people will never probably know, you know, that they played a, a part in it. There's uh, there's also a lot of confusion too because some sometimes uh, you've got someone who played a character in the holiday special and then they also played the character in one of the movies or or they didn't play the character in one of the movies maybe mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's sometimes hard to nail that stuff down and where exactly did this person play this character or what you know or maybe they just did the voice it's very tricky at uh, Star Wars Celebration 5 I got a um, signed photo by Paul Blake who plays Greedo in A New Hope at least yes. one at least one of the actors who plays Greedo in A New Hope 
one of the yes. two that I think. And he signed a photo of Greedo from the holiday special. Like the photo is clearly from the holiday special. Yes. Uh, I, I was there too. Um, and he had that same photo, I believe was, was, you know, blown up large and, uh, as, using it as his, uh, I think it was behind him on the wall or, or whatever. He was using it as sort of the promo photo. And I, you know, on one hand, you kind of want to say, um, you know, that, that photo's <laughs> actually from the Star Wars Holiday Special. But on the other hand, you, you don't really want to tell him that, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's actually you in that photo. <laughs> so I kind of, I... I opted to not say anything, but mm-hmm. I was kind of like, I, I kind of wish that he did know so that, you know, it would be so disappointing to find out that a, a photo you've been yourself turns out to not even been you. It was somebody else completely. It's really tough. Um, I I certainly don't know, if, you know, in particular who was in the Greedo mask for that. Um, or, you know, I don't know if there's any of the creatures who I actually know who was who was in them. There are some creatures whose makeup is is um, low key enough that you can actually see their faces, mm-hmm. um, and you might be able to identify them from that. But so far, I don't know if anybody has. Um, however, um, this this year um, by the seventeenth, I, I am going to reveal a couple of the Cantina um, bar patrons um, and who they actually were. You're going to reveal this on your website. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a couple of um, a couple of the uh, the people in the cantina who um, I am there's there's no actual evidence of it but I I figured out I'm I'm almost 100 percent certain that that's who that that's actually who they are and and so people people listening to this podcast now this podcast is actually getting released on November 17th yes so they can go to starwarsholidayspecial.com yes and. and uh, and they should be able to see who uh, the, the the revelation of, of who actually played these characters because you you get uh, you know with, with the holiday special it does have credits at the end mm-hmm. uh, but they are of course very incomplete they're they're television credits and television credits credits are always you know much less complete than uh, film credits are there's far fewer of them and the other problem is that you get just names it just you know lists off names it doesn't say what that name did or you know who they played what character or creature they played so so you just get this bunch of names that was a big problem that i faced when i was putting together the website um i wanted to have a list of as many of the characters along with who played them as possible but how do you do that when you you just have this list of names in the credits and and you have no face to sort of connect it to so there was a whole lot of research that went on behind the scenes um, for the website where i was actually going and finding you know if possible i would try to find a picture of this person you know whose name is in the credits online and if i could find them online a lot of them were really obscure so they weren't online and and if I could find them online, then I might be able to identify them and say, oh, you know, I recognize them. They were this character. And if I didn't find them online, I did a lot of, uh, I would look on IMDb and I'd find out what other movies were they in, what other television programs were they in. And then I would go and try and find that that uh, movie or television program. And in, in some cases, they were really obscure. Uh, but I had a really good video store uh, near me that I would go and, and get like old videotapes of, of some of these things. And, and I'd I would rent them and watch them, and then it would get to the point where that 
person would come on screen and I'd say, aha, that guy played the Imperial officer or, you know, and so now I know that that name goes to that face and then I could put that on the website. So there was a lot of that kind of thing where it was, um, you know, it took a whole lot of, of trying to track down little details like that. And, you know, even back in 2002, 2003, the internet was far less populated with information than it is now, information and, and photos than it is now. So, um, you know, you could get lucky and find stuff on the internet, but, you know, you still, there still was a lot that wasn't out there. So is there anything else that you, uh, that you think you might want to mention about the holiday special? Maybe uh, a little bit more about the collectibles. Um, there's uh, there's a there's a few collectibles that um, that were around that sort of came out uh, to promote the holiday special, and uh, they kind of they generally consist of um, there's a set of sort of uh, they're like lobby cards. They're kind of printed on cardstock, and they're photos. Um, to promote the holiday special, um, they're oddly enough they're not all from the holiday special though. There's there's uh, some that are just pictures of of um, ships in space, you know, dogfight mm-hmm. dogfight photo or or um, you know a photo of the star destroyer or something in space, which is obviously from Star Wars. But those were like big big great iconic images from Star Wars that they wanted to use, so they they used those. Um, so there was there's a set of photos there. There was also um, press photos that were sent out by CBS to uh, newspapers and such. And so there's a set of, of those photos, black and white photos with info sheets that go with them. And those are you know those are kind of hard to, to find. But probably the uh, the holy grail collectible for the Star Wars holiday special is you know besides an original prop or costume or something mm-hmm. of that nature uh, is the the press kit, the holiday special press kit. Um, they they did make a press kit, which was a, a folder with um, some sheets of uh, information about about the holiday special, uh, a bunch of info on you know the show itself, and uh, there were I think a set of four black and white prints uh, from the holiday special included in there, and then the most sought after thing from that is a, a mylar poster and it's a mini poster it's eight and a half by 11 size so it fits in the folder but um you know it's the only poster from the star wars holiday special and it's on this silver mylar with blue printing and it's printed on both sides um and it just says you know the star wars holiday special and then has a little blurb about it but that's uh obviously you know a very highly sought after item particularly because um well with you know there's people who collect star wars posters and if if you collect star wars posters you're definitely going to want to have a poster from the star wars holiday special if you can get your hands on it so uh, i think there's a lot of competition to try and find that item and mm-hmm. it's, it's quite rare and does not come up very often at all wow so i was lucky enough to get my hands on one mm-hmm. um you know around the time that i started the website and uh, that was another one of the things that I was really, you know, happy to be able to share on the website. You know, scan in the photos and and uh, show pictures of the of the press kit. And again, if people want to see any of this stuff, they just need to go to StarWarsHolidaySpecial.com. Right. Well, Scott, I really want to thank you for your time. Again, people can find you um, on your website and StarWarsHolidaySpecial.com. And look for that reveal. Yes, um, well, there should be a, a few surprises. Um, this time around for the uh, 35th anniversary. So the uh, revealing a couple of the characters in the uh, cantina is one, um, but uh, there should look for some new photos, some new information about collectibles, and, uh, you know, maybe a few other surprises as well. Great. Thanks again, Scott. Time now for Life on Tatooine. 
brought to viewers everywhere in the hope that our own lives may be uplifted by the comparison and enriched with the gratitude of relief. This transmission is unrehearsed and unedited and is hereby begun without further comment as to its lack of moral value. Wow, Tom, the Creature Cantina is pretty busy, but I do not see Chris and Ryan anywhere. Maybe we should look around. Look at all... Jason, look at all these frickin' weirdos. This place is nuts. Yeah. Hey, look at Hammerhead. I think he's had a few too many. Look at that guy. Looks like a giant rat. Holy cow. Look at Walrus Man. He got his arm back. What do you think? He got a bionic arm or something? Well, you know, it's uh, you've got pretty good medical around here. So the, you know, Tatooine's got some nice uh, nice benefits. Hey, look at that booth over there. Hey, I think I see... That's that's Dan Curdo. Dan, what is he doing here? I don't know, but let's go over there and talk to him. Maybe he's seen Ryan or Chris. Hey, why not? Oh, come on now. Drink up. There's plenty more where that came from. At this booth, we've got Dan Curdo and hey, it's Jerry from Republic Forces Radio. Hey, guys. Hey, Jason, what's going on? Didn't <laughs> know you're here tonight. Yeah, I, I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you. I haven't talked to you since... Uh... What, June? Yeah, it's been a while. Hey, host, host, like, hey guys, can I get another drink over here? Come on. Yeah, Jeez. I guess they'll let anybody in. Jeez. <laughs> they will. It's I didn't funny. think they served your kind here. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I had no idea that so many uh, Star Wars podcasters hung out at Acmina's Cantina. Well, you know, we all got to hang out and get along and, and see all the cool stuff. Well, you know, we've been looking for... Uh, We've been looking for Ryan and Chris. They've kind of been hiding out from us. Um, see, we're doing this uh, 35th anniversary uh, Star Wars holiday special. Special, And uh, Chris and Ryan, they kind of, well, I think they just didn't want to be part of it because I really just don't think they like the holiday special. And instead of just telling me they didn't want to be on it, they just kind of vanished. But it's good to find you guys here. Um, Dan, what, what are your thoughts on the Star Wars Holiday Special? Well, I saw it when it broadcast live uh, back in the day, and uh, it was, you know, as a kid, uh, it was Star Wars on TV, which was great fun. You know, all the main characters were there doing some, some interesting stuff. Uh, that I don't remember them doing in the movie, but uh, you know, it, it maybe didn't hold up as well uh, over the years. But there are still some favorite scenes, favorite moments, if I remember correctly. Uh, Zutton and of course Boba Fett from his animated debut. They can't call it a holiday special; it's the animated debut. <laughs> and it's kind of curious that they shied away from just calling it the holiday special. Do you think they're just that embarrassed of it that they'll just call it animated uh, debut? Lucasfilm would love to. Uh, obliterate all evidence of the existence <laughs> of this. <laughs> but, but you know, in theory, in theory, they're really accurate with that because you know, Nelvana, the uh, company that made the holiday special, later made the, the two animated series from the 80s, right? Droids and Ewoks, and Boba Fett was in Droids. So it is kind of a more all-encompassing figure, so I think they kind of have a loophole there. Uh, Jerry, I'm curious. What's uh, what's your um, thoughts on the Star Wars Holiday Special? The, did you watch it like uh, when it first aired, like Dan? No, did? no. I mean, Dan, my hat's off to you because I mean, I I was probably well, old I'm enough just that I'm, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, my hat's off to you because I mean, to actually, you know, it only broadcasted once, right? So you, you had one shot to watch it, and, and you were there. Uh, I mean, I was old enough to, if I had seen it, if I had known it existed, or if you know, my parents. They wouldn't have necessarily noticed or flagged anything like that to make sure I watched it or anything like that. But uh, I really didn't know of its, of its existence to a few years later. And, you know, admittedly, it is, you know, Star Wars the musical, right? Dan, like you said, there's things going on there that you kind of scratch your head about. But I really do find it fascinating. It is such a 
important part of Star Wars history. You, you get to see just a, a handful of clips, you know, that were originally intended for New Hope, which I think is really cool. I mean, I think they've been dubbed over and, you know, repurposed. But, uh, of course, it was our, our first introduction to, to, to Boba Fett, truth be known, and, and uh, I thought a really clever way. That little cartoon, uh, A Faithful Wookiee, was um, was actually pretty good. It's kind of fun to watch it to this day. Dan, you've done a lot of uh, like tops sketch cards and stuff, right? That's uh, something you've, you've been you've been doing for a while now. Have you done any that are based on the Star Wars Holiday Special? Well, they give you a list of characters that you can use, and oddly enough, most of the Holiday Special characters are not on the approved list. Oh. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> I did um, a series last time of the different incarnations of Boba Fett, and one of them that one of the Boba Fetts that I illustrated was a animated debut from the Holiday Special. That costume, and then also we're talking about the droids earlier. There are some different and how they drew them in that series as well. So a couple color changes, differences, and a little bit of smoother drawing on the armor. Plus, back in, God, I want to say it was Galaxy 7, I think? It's 2010. And I did, uh, or 11, I did a nine-card puzzle of all the Cantina aliens that appeared in Moss Eisley's Cantina, um, and including somewhere in the background a couple of uh, extra guest stars. Uh, do you think, um, and I'll ask, I'll ask Jerry of this, do you think now that Disney has kind of taken over the uh, licensing that maybe they'll be more able to acknowledge the Star Wars Holiday Special, maybe give it a little more attention, or do you think Disney is going to try to bury it or keep it buried? You know, that's a great question. I really don't know what Disney's approach is to things like that. I mean, I, I fundamentally believe that if Disney thinks they can make uh, a buck off of it i mean they're a business so i'm not being critical here but if they can make some some money off of th something like that because the the fact that's never been released i mean i i hope uh droids ewoks the ewoks telemovies you know all those things i hope they get a proper blu-ray release i mean droids and ewoks but yeah i mean we've, we've had some of those things released but now on blu-ray blu-ray droids and ewoks have never really been assembled in the u.s so i hope they really really do bring that together uh, at the very least you know bury it as some special features some bonus discs something i mean I, I think star wars fans in general and i think there's enough critical mass to make that good business sense i, th I think we'd pick that up just to, just to have it i mean it it, it it stinks to have that kind of a void in uh, a video collection at a library you know it's it it, yeah. really, it needs to come about i've never even seen the droids and ewoks cartoons didn't know about them when they aired i guess uh, or maybe i just got a little too old and didn't pay attention and i've seen the releases but it's only like select episodes right right yeah. you know as for the holiday special i have it on vhs and dvd but basically it's the same exact recording <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's got the quality on a DVD. After, yeah, exactly, after. it's got the fuzzy beginning, and then it has all the original commercials from back then. So it's it's sort of a when when I bought it, I bought it at a comic book convention, and the guy that sold it to me said, "This is the worst movie that you will ever watch of Star Wars, but you'll watch it again and again and again." And you know what? I have seen it several times. So it's a time capsule. I mean, it's uh, it's it's fascinating, to be able to. 
step back in the late 70s. Yeah. yeah. And and you're talking about, Dan, as you mentioned, the original commercials on it. A lot of people really enjoy watching it with the commercials on it. Oh, yeah. It, it just kind of brings you back to that time. I mean, I was, you know, like I said before, I was a kid when it, when it aired, when the first Star Wars came out. And, you know, back then, of course, there was no internet as we know it now. And there was, there was no real, like, what happened after the first movie? There was nothing really to bring that, uh, to continue the storyline, you know? I mean, the mm -hmm. comics were really the only thing I think the first novel didn't come out till the following summer I could be wrong about that but it, it, it there wasn't a lot going on nowadays you can kind of pick up a lot of different things just go online and read some fan fiction it wasn't around back then so having this on the on the small screen at home was like oh this is great maybe they'll do this next year and there was a lot of these kind of specials you know I mean I remember a little off topic I remember Donnie and Marie oh yeah first guys on it you know I just found one today as we're recording this it's uh, Seth me Street's birthday, and I found a clip with R2-D2 and C-3PO. I'm like, wow, I remember this. <laughs> they were on the Muppets, you know what I mean? So, like, whenever they made appearances on TV, it was kind of a big deal. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time to talk to us on this big 35th anniversary of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh, Jerry, we uh, were uh, talking to uh, Arnie earlier today, and... Uh, He's been looking for you. I don't know if you're hiding out from him or not, but uh... yeah. Hey, if you see him, don't don't tell him you saw me here. I, he, <laughs> I I haven't I haven't given a vintage viewpoint to him in a little while, and he's just he's just he nag 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 nag. Just, you know, just <laughs> let it go. Let I, it go. I hope, cool. I hope he's I hope he I hope he's not upset with you for coming on our show from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Dan, uh, thank you. Dan, are you sure you haven't seen Brian or Chris anywhere around here? You know, I, I haven't seen any of those guys, but I, I do see Jimmy. Matt over there by the bar that's probably where he hangs out the most but uh he might have seen them okay well maybe i'll maybe i'll go check in with him please look i have customers why don't you sit down finish your drink have another drink this one's on me and tom and i are talking to jimmy mack from rebel force radio Jimmy Mack, what are your memories of the Star Wars Holiday Special? So even as a nine-year-old, I, I watched that thing going, this sucks. <laughs> but um, but also was only broadcast once. I didn't record it. Uh, I don't know if my family owned a VCR at that time. Uh, if we did, I would have recorded it. A lot of my friends were talking about it as if it is the sequel to Star Wars. Some of my friends thought it was actually going to be Star Wars on TV, the, the film itself. Uh, some of my friends thought it was the actual sequel, uh, and I was I watched it, and uh, you know about uh, 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 who, who is who is singing? It's not Lena Horne, but um, Carol. Diane Carroll. That yeah, song was yeah. on for like half an hour, and I couldn't, you know, and and to and to see itchy. Okay, here's another one. Cue up the Wookie porn because I mean Wookie, he's sitting there looking at that thing. Number one, he looks like he's doing something dirty. And number two, he looks like he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. And number three, he's watching this chick, and she's talking to him, and he's just like, oh, yes. Meanwhile, Mala's <laughs> in the kitchen whipping up who knows what carcass of whatever. And uh, that'd be Bantha loin. Bantha loin. <laughs> I think, isn't that what they're cooking up? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. They're, they're cooking up a little bantha loin there. So as a kid, I'm like, what the hell is this crap? Harvey Corman looks great in an apron. Um, it yeah. was, you know, I, 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 re, I, I knew I liked the Honeymooners when I was a kid. My dad was way into the Honeymooners, and they started rerunning them on late night TV. So often I would watch the Honeymooners with them, and I was like, what the hell is Norton doing in Star Wars? But that was the part that I, oddly enough, remembered the best. 
I thought that that was the best stuff. I remember B. Arthur in the cantina. I, I could recall that cartoon they showed, but my memories would always go back to itchy watching Wookiee porn. And uh, that was a very unhealthy experience for me as a young child, I think. Now, that was a holy grail for me, you know, that aired in 1978. I didn't finally see it again until a buddy of mine picked up a really good bootleg. It was VHS. Uh, I would probably peg that around 94. And I remember putting that VHS into the machine going, oh, my God, I can't believe that I'm actually going to see this thing again. Will it suck as bad as I thought it did back then? And much to my dismay, it was worse. <laughs> I mean, the thing is a dog. But I do have fond memories of certain sequences in there, like the cantina sequence I thought was really good. I remember feeling, my, my feelings feeling really hurt when um, the Imperials ransacked Lumpy's room. Lumpy's bedroom was ransacked, and they ripped the head off of his Bantha doll. And I felt terrible when he came back into the room and he put the the torso and legs of the bantha doll underneath a blanket and then put the head up on top of it and kissed it. I mean, just like I, I'm right now about ready to break into complete tears and, and start crying. It was one of the most heart-wrenching moments of my childhood. Was, it, was a, it was a tender moment, for sure. <laughs> and at that time, the show Eight is Enough was on TV. And I think it's more than just a coincidence that Lumpy bore a striking resemblance to Nicholas actor Adam Rich. I mean, doesn't yeah. he look like Adam Rich? I can kind of does. Yeah, I can see that too. Interesting. So that's kind of creepy. So when, when I flash back <laughs> to my thoughts of, but I do think Lucasfilm should re-release it. I, I do think too. they should give it. Oh a man. Plot. You know, DVD treatment, Blu-ray treatment, what have you. Um, but it is a joy to watch those bootlegs complete with the commercials from 1970. That's the only way well, to that, watch it. That sells the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen people do some really uh, interesting things with the holiday special as far as, like, custom edits and whatnot. But, yeah, that's, but that's how I prefer to watch it is just on the old VHS with those commercials in it. I think the version I have was recorded maybe in, like, El Paso, Texas or someplace you'd see like break-ins for their local news and um, and uh, all those great commercials of the day. Tobor. I got Tobor that Christmas, too. Nice. Wow, what a score from the holiday special. See, I consider Tobor to be holiday special canon. Uh, so yeah. that makes him part of the Star Wars universe, really. And it also makes Jefferson Starship part of the Star Wars oh, universe, absolutely. too. But uh, when I think about the past holiday special, eh, not, not the biggest positive, but still cool to see the characters again. You know, it, it, it was shot on such a crappy budget, and you could tell it was a rush job. You can tell that there were too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, I've read stories about how this script that they had for this thing went through so many different hands and it just got so bogged down and diluted from what it was supposed to be uh, a, a thing that i finally uh, enjoy is uh, some of the ralph mcquarrie artwork you see in it um uh, there was the wookie storybook that was released in conjunction with the holiday special and yes damn it i would like to see action figures why the hell not i mean when you think of all the action figures that's been produced over the years put out right. some figures from the holiday special yeah, they put out the Boba Fett, but uh, let's see the Wookiee family. Let's get Art Carney in his vest. Uh, let's 
have that Harvey Corman Cantina guy who pours the drink into his head. You know, stuff like that would be a lot of fun for a collector to own. Jimmy, I know you've interviewed Mark Hamill in the past. Have you ever asked him about the holiday special? I talked to Mark years ago at Star Wars Celebration Japan, and he really was not familiar with it at all. And I said, you know, he was just get, kind of getting into things like conventions. He was very new at that thing. And his son Nathan was there, and Nathan was still pretty young at the time. And, and Nathan would tell Mark about, you know, Star Wars trivia and things like the holiday special and whatnot. And I, I said, well, you know, you had an awful lot of mascara on in that. I mean, ring any bells? He's like, no, you know, I, I never watched it. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you should. And he goes, well, is it, is it funny bad at least? And I said, no, it's just pretty bad. He goes, oh, man. I said, but you should watch it just to be familiar with it because it was, you know, the second time you played Luke Skywalker. And that's considered to be pretty important among fans these days, even right. if the story of the holiday special really wasn't. But it's like, oh, maybe I'll go back and watch it, whatever. So I don't know if he's actually, that was six years ago. I don't know if he's actually gone back and watched this thing. But uh, I hope he does because uh, it is kind of funny bad at certain points. But, uh, but yeah, the holiday special, uh, I think, I, think I, I just summed it up. You know, it is what it is. Thanks for talking with us, Jimmy. Tom, I think I see Jake over there from forlomtazuckus.com. <laughs> I'm going to go over there and uh, talk with him a few minutes and see what he's been up to. It's Jake from ForLomTazuckus.com. Hello, Jake. Hey, how are you? Doing good. Uh, Tom and I have been on a hunt for Ryan and Chris. They have been uh, absent from the entire holiday special that we've been uh, been working on this whole time. So who knows? Have you seen them around anywhere? I did see Ryan earlier. I believe he was... Uh playing with his bendems over in the corner that figures well it's kind of dark in here I, maybe i just have to look again and maybe they'll turn up uh, <laughs> but anyways as long as we're talking we are talking star wars holiday special this is our star wars holiday special special and you are your website uh, really focuses in on star wars action figures vehicles play sets and specifically kenner and hasbro right so uh why don't you kind of maybe clue us in on what uh figures are available from the star wars holiday special we love all things action figure based so when the holiday special debuted of course we had our 21 figures out at that time and almost all of the 21 figures you could have played with to reenact a scene from the holiday special most of the characters had unique appearances in the holiday special but a couple were just using archive footage um, but the only that were actually left out, the original 21, was there are no sand people, as we know. There is no Death Star droid. There is no R5 or power droid. So it looks like mostly uh, sand people and droids were the only ones that were not included. And I know Jawas aren't featured, but if you look really closely in one of the edits of Mos Eisley, they have a Jawa running around. He didn't get any actual costume appearance. You know, original costume, but yeah, mm -hmm. they were, um, they did a pretty good job at, you know, I don't know if they worked extremely close with Kenner or at all. I don't know if anyone worked with anybody on this, but yeah, they did include most of the figures we had at that time. In my opinion, there's only two that truly come from the holiday special. We have the vintage Snaggletooth, which sometimes we call him Zutton, sometimes we call him Zutmore. He, of course, is the vintage figure that's only seen in the holiday special, not even in the films. And then, uh, more modern, the most obvious choice is of course the animated Boba Fett from the animated sequence 
was released um, on the Coin series a few years back, 30th anniversary. But since then, they've produced tons of the uh, characters from the Cantina, which they apparently hop back and forth from uh, A New Hope's Cantina and Akmina's Cantina. So you have everything from Mayo to Pons Limbic and Muftak and Feltapern, Hem Dazon, uh, the Duras, I can never pronounce his name, Labria, uh, Trinto, Duaba. So there's actually lots of uh, Cantina characters. Chief Bass we've had made from, uh, of course, he used to be in the Death Star, but now he's on the Star Destroyer. Update Invader on that, and 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 that's where is that where they say uh, search every household in the system or something <laughs> like that? Yes, no, he was uh, pretty fierce about finding any rebels in the area. Yeah, so that was Chief Bass. So we have a figure of him. Uh, they even had some mouse droids up there on that Star Destroyer for a quick archival edit scene. You know what I think? If anyone making a diorama, I think a cool thing would be do uh, would be to do is to get one of the Action Fleet Banthas. You remember Action Fleet? Oh yeah, color? yeah, I love yeah. that. Line. Yes, that's a great line. But that Bantha that they made is the exact same size as Lumpy's Bantha that uh, gets decapitated by those oh. lovely troopers. Yeah, that's kind of a sad scene. That's it's one of the that's one of the saddest parts of the special. I know they're taking revenge on a child uh, yeah. because I don't know they didn't destroy anything downstairs, but Lumpy gets a little grumpy downstairs, and apparently they just decided to screw up his room. Yeah, and then they and then they go they go tell the the poor the poor Wookie child to go clean your room so you can find all your broken. Toys. Yeah, I know. How yeah. horrible. Yeah. How horrible. I, I always shocked me about how apparently Imperials forget that Wookiees are strong enough to pull the arms off a gun dart because <laughs> yeah. they had no problem. Like, they pushed Itchy aside. I'm pretty sure Itchy could eat them, but... <laughs> yeah, maybe they were just playing it cool till Chewbacca got back. Even the Stormtroopers. The Stormtroopers were a little off, too, because the way they hold their blasters is unlike any battalion we've seen before. Mm-hmm. You don't notice that, how they use the side yeah. of the gun as opposed to cradling it underneath? It was just... It, it was really distracting. I had it on loop this morning over <laughs> and over and over. My kids would wander in and out in and out they they weren't quite committed to sitting down doing the whole was it hour 44 without yeah commercials so or something. Let, let me ask you mm-hmm. your ki- your kids were watching it did they find any interest in it or did they just completely hate it you know they were like i, I couldn't quite i didn't want to interrupt them but i couldn't quite tell if they were mesmerized by the awesomeness or the awfulness <laughs> Honestly, because they, like, the first half hour, they didn't say anything. I have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old. Three-year-old boy, seven-year-old girl. And they both were quiet and bright-eyed and didn't ask questions, didn't interact with it, like they do with a lot of other shows. So I'm not sure where they're, you know, what, what was going on in their minds, but they did then start to drift off. And then I think my boy saw a cartoon was on a little later, and he ran back in the room. And, and then we let it play through breakfast because it was stay off of school. And so he would they would keep kind of drifting in and out and catching certain scenes. And my daughter liked the singing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she definitely liked uh, Diana Carroll's performance. Speaking of, I watched that scene again, and I think if you took off the intro to that number, right. you all of a sudden make that whole special PG. I think it's PG. Yeah. You take off that first little intro where she's talking to Itchy and Itchy's kind of doing the face thing. Mm-hmm. You take it from its controversial rating, whatever it is now, mm-hmm. I think we can make it a decent. I think Disney can release it without that intro. <laughs> okay, well, um, Jake, I uh, want to thank you for uh, for uh, taking a little time. Maybe you can uh, tell people where they can find you and your your amazing website that really does a good job of documenting uh, Star Wars toys. Yeah, we're actually found at www 
4lomkis.com. Uh, but the name of the website is from 4 Lom to Zuckis. So I'm looking for people to find us on uh, Facebook as well. So if you're hopping on Facebook.com at Galaxy of Toys, hop on over to from 4 Lom to Zuckis on Facebook and give us a like because we have lots of fun stuff. Every Friday we do this little fun thing where we uh, kind of flip-flop the characters of the trilogy. <laughs> you should you should kind of keep that down because I know Tom's around here somewhere. Oh, I know. I've made his <laughs> blood boil a couple of times on that one. Um but yeah, no, we love anything. We want to help collectors have fun collecting, find what they're looking for, and you know, just appreciate these figures, which uh, you know, a year ago we thought was coming to the end, and now we realize that we'll be doing this for the rest of our lives. That's right. Awesome, though. All right, Jake. Well, uh, I got to go because I really do got to find Brian and Chris, but we will talk to you again. I'm sure you'll be back on the show sooner than later, and uh, good seeing you. Well, great. Thanks for having me, and uh, good luck. Happy Life Day. Happy Life Day. The Star Wars Holiday Special will continue in a moment. Star Wars. You and your children loved it. Now the Earthlings at Kenner have asked my associate and me to present the Star Wars Collection. Truly remarkable toys and games for your children. What are you so excited about now? My goodness, the Star Wars TIE Fighter and X-Wing Fighter. Now your children can relive our great space battles or collect our wonderful Star Wars companions with Kenner's Star Wars action figures. It's a little you. Kenner's new radio-controlled R2-D2 anyone can command. Ah, the Star Wars land speeder that moves like it's floating. And here's Kenner's Death Star space station. Four floors of action. A trash compactor, too. Yes, R2. That's the Star Wars electronic laser battle. A game of speed, reflex, and reaction. These and other toys and games in Kenner's Star Wars collection are sold separately. Batteries are not included. May the Force be with you and your children. Fighting the Frizzies at 11. Brian, Chris, oh my gosh. Tom and I have been looking all over for you two. What's up? Did you just, uh, did you bail on us? You knew this was our big 35th anniversary of the holiday special. Uh, where have you been, Chris? What, what, what holiday special? What, what's that? Come on, the Star Wars holiday special that originally aired uh, November 17, 1978. 78? <laughs> Dude, I was like four years old. Man. I know, I know, but you did, did you not get my emails? I, I told you we had this big show. Man. You missed it. You've missed almost the entire show. Ryan, wh- where did you go? Ah, oh, man, I, I had to go have a drink with Han. I, I couldn't do this with that. Do this sober here. I had to, had to have something here. <laughs> okay, so but, Ryan, I mean, you've missed you've missed nearly the entire podcast. Well, well come on. At least I, I did get an interview with Dave Filoni. About the holiday special. you got to give me some credit on that. You got an interview with Dave Filoni about the holiday special? You bet I did. We talked about Boba Fett and everything. Oh, awesome. All right, we are here at the Rancho Obi-Wan with Dave Filoni, creator of Clone Wars and the upcoming Rebels series. This year is the 35th anniversary of the Star Wars holiday special. What would be your favorite part of the Star Wars holiday special? It's Boba Fett. You are alone. I have two droids. We've come in search of a ship that crashed near here. Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Are the Imperial troops near this planet? They are here, friend, and growing more powerful. It's not even close. I mean, the Boba Fett animation by Nelvana was amazing. I had the Boba Fett figure. We all had Boba Fett figure. Like, nobody had even seen him on screen, and I knew to mail order him. I I remember getting that figure in my house. I I actually remember watching the holiday special as a kid. I thought it was weird. I remember thinking it was strange, but the animation of Boba Fett was great. 
And, um, you know, there was there were all kinds of things that we were thinking when we were dealing with Boba Fett on Clone Wars where we thought, well, that armor is interesting and maybe we should try to incorporate that as Boba gets older. So someday when designs get out, you might even see some stuff of that that never made it screen. But, yeah, I love the Boba Fett moment in the animation was uh, there's nothing in that show that's <laughs> close to being as good as that. I especially like that you got in the Boba Fett, Boba Fett prototype helmet for uh, Obi Wan's disguise in the show. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean that was that was a great thing. You know, when you're working in this galaxy, you can you know, put stuff that you always dreamed of having in there as a kid, and I always loved that helmet. So you know, anything Ralph did, obviously, I'm a big fan of, and you guys will see more of that as we go ahead. All right, thanks a lot, Dave, for taking some time. We really appreciate it. I am certainly not going to get rich with customers like you. I thought I taught you to drink faster than that. Akmina, can uh, can we talk for a minute? Well, of course we can talk. We are talking. You're not ordering. I'm not pouring. We are not drinking. We are talking. Due to increased activity among subversive forces, we are placing a curfew on the entire Tatooine system effective immediately. All inhabitants will return to their homes at once. This order will remain in effect until further notice. Well, it looks like the Empire's kicking everybody out. I guess it's time to go. But I want to let everyone know that we are not the only podcast that has a holiday special this year. Check out this quick promo from the Cantina cast. Yes, they have a holiday special too. Coming this December, the Cantina cast presents its very best holiday special. The Galaxy vs. Jar Jar Binks. Hello, everybody. This is Mike. Well, hello there. This is Joa. And we're the hosts of the Cantina Cast. And we'd like to invite all Star Wars fans to our first annual holiday special. We are calling it a holiday special for a reason, folks. It's going to be spectacularly bad. I will be defending the misunderstood Gungan Jar Jar Binks. Well, I will ruthlessly lead up the prosecution. To keep up to date with our holiday special, our podcast, and all of our endeavors, you can follow us on Facebook.com slash TheCantinaCast. Joe, don't forget about Twitter, at TheCantinaCast. And to be a part of this special production, you can email us at CantinaCastFanMail at gmail.com. Send us your evidence for or against Jar Jar. And of course, you can find the streaming on the web with Lipson or download us directly with iTunes and carry the podcast with you wherever you go. Case number 1138, The Galaxy vs. Jar Jar Binks, coming December 18th, 2013. I guess if we've learned anything from this big holiday special, we've learned that uh, not everybody loves it. Some do, some clearly don't. But uh, appreciate it for what it was, 35 years. And uh, like I said earlier on the show, I still watch it. Tom still watches it. Maybe one of these days, Chris will watch it again. Ryan, any plans to watch it again? Uh, you know, I'm, I maybe watch it once a year, but I tend to stif- stick with the Rift Tracks edition so, uh, <laughs> to make it a little more palatable. Definitely adding, adding a little humor and, and less uh, just Wookiees talking with no <laughs> subtitles. <laughs> okay, fair enough. This holiday is yours, but we all share with you the hope that this day brings us closer to freedom and to harmony and to peace. No matter how different we appear, we're all the same in our struggle against the powers of the evil and darkness. I hope that this day will always be a day of joy in which we can reconfirm our dedication and our courage. And more than anything else, our love for one another. This is the promise of the Tree of Life. We celebrate a day of peace. 
They say it pays to advertise, but Marcy, Lisa, and Pam don't care for the way they're going to be used in an advertising campaign. So fasten your seatbelts for Flying High with guest stars Nancy DeSoe, Lyle Wagner, and Bobby Sherman next.